Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. This is Mark Grace, and you're listening to Ready to Unload with Cal and Sandpete. March the 29th, 2012. This is episode 3.12, 3.stern, 3.vakota, 3.broadwayjoenamuth. Any other 12 you want to throw in the mix? I'll let Cal throw a couple in in a second. Welcome to the podcast. I'm Steve Sampietro, one of your hosts for the show. And let's bring in uh, my co-host right now, the the Cal to my Sampete, the... Tony to my Tennille. Wait, no, the captain to my Tennille. <laughs> I'm going to try to start off the show, Cal, with a reference from at least 30 years ago. Go ahead. The Tony Orlando to my Dawn. The Dawn to my Tony Orlando. Yes, that's right. The Ashford to my Simpson. The <laughs> the, the eight is to hear enough. <laughs> Mr. Brian Calneva, Calpino, Caliente. Hey, Brian. Hi, Steve. It's time for that uh, radio show slash podcast that we do on a weekly basis. Sure is. This is uh, season three, episode twelve. And I wanna, yeah, want to go back to what we used to do, where we used to do, um, you know, numbers, or like our favorite numbers in time. So I'm calling this season three, episode Stearns. Okay, real quick, Cal. Who's your favorite Met Twelve of all time? Oh boy, my favorite <laughs> Met Twelve is Fire, Rapid Fire. Come on. Well, it's Stearns is my, is my favorite. It's not Robbie Alomar. It's not Robbie Alomar. It's not Willie Randolph. Ugh. Um, <laughs> what other twelves? There's not many. Darling, Darling was a big number twelve. Darling was twelve, but Darling wore forty. Darling was- well, what, right? He, start, he started as 44, went to 12, then went to 15. Then went to 15. See, I think of Ronnie Darlin, I think of 15. Uh, see, I think of 12. Aguilera, 15. Aguilera, 15. Aguilera, 38. 38. 86. Cone was 15 at one point. Cone was 15 and 44 as well. Right. And 17. And 17, that's right. After Hernandez left. That's right. Uh, one, so you're one of the turn. 30 guys, yeah. 
All right, so favorite Islander, number 12. Quick, go. Dakota. Is over, Dwayne, over Dwayne Sutter. Over Dwayne Sutter, over Josh Bailey. Josh, uh, the current 12. He's the current 12. Yeah, um, Vakoda by far. I'm going to go Dwayne Sutter. It's close, though. I love, I love the Sutter brothers. It was something like that that team had that was unique. Like, not only were they, like, one of the great brothers. Well, no, but not only were they one of the greatest teams of all time, but they had the Sutter brothers. They had Brett and Dwayne Sutter. Like, who had that? Yeah, not, not many people had. Cool. It was cool. Can't do Jets because that's Namath. No one else has ever worn it. Only one twelve. Well, no. Was there twelve before him? Yes. Who? Yeah, the, I've I've no idea. Tim Tebow, Who, Charlie Charlie McGarity. It was uh, Jimmy McGintycutty. Good job. It was. Uh, now this this brings us into the area where we start making up names that we would use in SNK baseball stars. <laughs> Nintendo. <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. Uh, Gary McGillicuddy, <laughs> quarterback. Uh, and and then uh, you, you remember my all-time favorite, Dan and I made up once for a computer hockey game uh, on the Commodore. And it wasn't the 64. It was on like a more advanced computer than that. It was a it was a computer hockey game, and we were able to create a player and take him through a number of seasons. Uh-huh. Pierre Rougeau. Nice. R-I-J-U-T. And the joke was that every, it was always mispronounced. <laughs> like, the, like, the, like he pronounced it differently in like every press conference. He was like, Pierre Rougeot. <laughs> I love that he came with the story, too. Yeah. Does anybody have another question for uh, uh, Pierre? Yeah. How do you pronounce your last name? It depends. That was his <laughs> answer. He was like part uh, Mario Lemieux, part Prince. Oh. And so he was a, a mercurial Canadian. Correct. <laughs> Uh, we have a uh, an awesome program tonight, awesome podcast type program, Cal. We're going to talk a little more about the uh, Tim Tebow debacle. Uh, we're going to talk about a little bit about Parcells going to the Saints. That's no punishment, Cal. Mm. Our fantasy baseball draft is this Saturday night, and while nobody ever, it's funny, Brian, we're going to have the mostly Mets uh, Patrick Flood on later. Uh, to talk about the upcoming Mets season and the upcoming baseball season. Patrick's been on before. He's great. Uh, he writes for uh, SNY.TV, uh, thepatrickfloodblog.com. It's just patrickfloodblog.com. And uh, also is on the Mostly Mets podcast. And uh, I listen to their latest episode. I listen uh, pretty much every week. But their latest episode, they were talking about fantasy baseball because they decided to do a fantasy baseball league. Mm -hmm. And they said it. Nobody wants to hear about your fantasy baseball team. It's the old Bill Simmons adage, and he's right. Nobody cares, and yet somehow we sneak it in. We always sneak it in. Well, we're gonna we're gonna we're not gonna talk about our teams. No, we're gonna talk about the draft itself. Right. And what the draft, what the what the fantasy sports draft has become. I mean, forty year old virgin took it on with Paul Rudd and stuff like that, and about him, you know, his wife thought he was having an affair. <laughs> he was really going out to a fantasy baseball draft. Didn't he get made fun of for drafting Carlos Delgado, too? Was it Delgado? It had to be a Met, because that's just it was, me. It was Delgado, but... Yeah. Or maybe or maybe he was angry that someone else got Delgado for Yeah, maybe that was it. I just remember him promoting that movie and being on... Maybe it was Conan? Who, yeah. Rudd or Rell? No, Rudd. Being on Conan and then being... Or, I mean, no, it was The Daily Show. 
maybe it's the Daily Show. I don't know, but he was talking about how into fantasy baseball he is. Mm-hmm. And like he's he's like I I somehow know who you know and it was uh, who was the real fast kid for the Reds Cal. They could uh, a position for him. We all danced with him at one time or another. Oh um, uh, uh, Ryan Ryan Friel Ryan Friel right. We all picked him up at one time or another and oh yeah and Rudd is on Conan saying there's no reason I should know who Ryan Friel is and yet I do and I'm upset. That he's not the starting left fielder. Anyway, we're going to talk about our draft later, but we have Patrick coming up. But uh, we we have a ton to talk about with the Saints and the Parcells thing. Before we get to all that, let's bring in the guy who's going to produce the show. I love bringing people in. Have you noticed that? Is he is he going to produce the show? Because he actually he should have started already. That eight minutes ago. I have a plan I do not have yet. I think there's your answer, Brian. Oh boy. I think somebody's already producing the hell out of this show. Well that done. That was, that was my big move. <laughs> That's it? That's all you got? That's it. Good, good evening, good night. That's it. Ladies and That's gentlemen, let's, let's let's do this appropriately. Let's do this appropriately. There it is. Oh. The sweet, oh. soothing sounds. It's like oh. someone pouring warm gravy over me. <laughs> Which has it? happened, by the way. That's that's a true story. <laughs> true story? Yeah, that's a true story. You if you Okay. That brings up that brings up a great question. Before we get to the Jets and Tebow and all this ridiculous brings up a great question. That only my 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 best friend Cal and Pop Culture PJ could answer. So last oh. night I'm watching live on the show. So last night I'm watching America's Next Top Model, right? With the wife, not by myself, like DVRing it with a you know a cup of popcorn and a Chardonnay. I'm with Teresa watching America's Next Top Model, which I like to make fun of. Let's be honest. And I have for several I've I've done it for several cycles, and um, I know that they're called cycles and not seasons. How's that? Wait, you watch it just to make fun of it? That's correct. Really? You know how I knew, you know how I knew uh, that that show is comedy gold. The first time I ever watched it with uh, uh, someone, uh, just to make fun of it, they had to subtitle the models, and they were American. Yikes! <laughs> I was like, this is this is too easy. For 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 grammatical reasons, or that's correct. That's <laughs> correct. They buttered or what? No, for grammatical reasons. They wow. needed what she, actually what she subtitled. really meant to say in an English-speaking country was this. That's correct. <laughs> so anyway, we're watching that uh, yesterday. It's the Brits versus the Americans. That's the uh, the conceit here for Cycle 17. That old chestnut. And uh, <laughs> that's right, they dusted that one off. And um, Star Wars did it. And uh, <laughs> they had to... Their photo shoot, they were in Toronto, so their photo shoot was with um, Maple Leafs uh, covering them, and literally someone pouring maple syrup on them, and they had to take the picture. Wow. Right. So Teresa looks at me, and I'm like, well, really? I mean, with the maple syrup, really? Like, really? And she's looking at me like, now I know why you watch this show. I'm like, I'm no dummy. Because I'm not a leerer, guys. You know that. I'm not a leerer. 
So if I, I need to sneak it in. So I, I, when yep. I'm looking at uh, You don't get another, caught staring? Is that what you're saying? I don't. I'm not a stare. I'm not. I'm 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 like uh I get all uh, goosey. I blush. I blush very easy. I'm I'm a fruit. Do you stammer? I get out of the public library for doing that. I do stammer. I do <laughs> just got kicked out of the public library. Wait, were you, are you looking at the librarian and having that moment? Sir, please take your book and go. <laughs> sir, I will not be doing the naughty librarian fantasy for you, sir. Okay, and I know that's what you're thinking, sir. But just because I have glasses does not mean I'm a naughty librarian. Yes, uh, you're already doing it. Is <laughs> <laughs> what I said. Right. And that's what they took so me out. So they had to uh, do a photo shoot getting maple syrup poured on them. And you just said uh, pouring gravy on you. If you had to pick... Uh, well, if you were doing a photo shoot, what are they pouring on you? My answer is obvious. It, completely making this non-sexual, my answer is obvious. It's beer. Like, really good beer. <laughs> and they're, they're, I want to be bathed in beer. How's that? We're getting, we're getting hear- something symbolic here for you, in other words. <laughs> in other words, it's only fitting. It should be beer. Well, I just thought when you said gravy, it was so appropriate. Well, I'm a gravy guy. <laughs> for him? Yes, because he loves gravy. Gravy or sauce? It would, be, it would be Italian gravy. It would be red sauce with meatballs oh, so falling meat. all over me. Right. Gravy meat with brajol and yeah, sausage a pork, and a meatball. A couple of pork necks. <laughs> <laughs> now this has gotten filthy. Okay. Uh, there's, there's a sweet sausage stuck in my armpit. I'm trying not to notice. You can visualize yeah. it. Wow. Unfortunately, I can. Yeah. And I will not be able to not visualize that. Uh, you mean like over and over again? Well, no. It shouldn't be made to smell the glove over and over again. Not over and over again, no. <laughs> um uh, before we let you go and we start talking about Tim Tebow so you can go take a nap, um, the uh, Fred Willard on WTF, by the way. We're going to talk to uh, to Patrick about probably Michael Sarah a little bit later because Michael Sarah was on WTF and he talked about the Arrested Development movie. Peach, Fred Willard. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how many different ways or times I can tell you you need to listen to the WTF with Mark Marin podcast. Um, but if I have several of them, I, I I I'm very backlogged. I, I I think I I don't think I've gotten past the Chris Rock, and that was like ten weeks ago. That was like uh, ten months ago. Ten months ago is what I meant. <laughs> Cal, yeah. the Fred, the Fred Willard one, astounding mm-hmm. because he 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 is that guy. I mean, he's he's doing a character and he's brilliant in in all the Christopher Guest stuff. But you believe that's who he is? Oh my goodness! He just starts talking and you're and and you're like and and he's he does that thing with and all sorts of fun stuff like that. We were having a good time. It didn't make it, you know. And he's he's from Cleveland, and he's got this sort of midwestern, uh, uh, genuine quality. Uh huh. He's one of our great treasures, actually. He really I, underrated. I, so like underrated, overrated, rated. So underrated. Tremendously underrated. Tremendously I mean, underrated. I mean, go listen to this podcast. I urge you. Because it's just a nice hour and twenty minutes with Fred Willard. It's about an hour. Well, nice since, since you bring it up, 
since you do bring up the man, um, you, you heard about the uh, the Anchorman sequel just been announced? Yes. Yes. In the works. It's coming. Yep. Coming. So let's let's hope they bring Willard back for that. Uh, <laughs> well, <laughs> sounds like it sounds like everybody's coming back. So play it off as a prank. It's. A <laughs> He's in the clock tower. Play it off. It's okay. Just calm down. Put the gun down. Surrender. We'll play it off as a prank. She's so good. It's just there's a you know it's funny to see Fred Willard and and uh, Will Ferrell in a movie together because there's a level of commitment that's there Mm. that's so genuine. And of course, Fred Willard is always against type. Too often. I mean, he's he's sort of the straight guy who's uh, he's just a brilliant straight guy. He's got brilliant comedic time, and, and but he's against type. Whereas Farrell is just so committed to whatever he's doing. But to see the two of them in in a movie together, uh, it's just so good. It's just so good. <laughs> oh, he talks a lot about uh, Fernwood tonight, Peach. Oh, with Martin Mull. Martin Mull, Cal. I didn't know. Yeah, big fan. Really? Yep. We I talked about this, Fan Pete. We talked about Ferdwin, Ferdwin tonight on the show? Yeah. Yeah, we've... I don't know if we have. I don't think we have. Was that a different show I called into? That's, that might have been... <laughs> that might have been before you were on staff. Yeah, well, you know, I am in demand. Big, uh, big... I don't know if we, if we, if we did, I apologize. Uh, let's talk about it again. Sorry, I was doing Ooh, that. that was good. Fred, little Fred Willard there. Instant that impression. Instant impression. Um, big baseball fan, by the way, Cal. Big sports fan. Played baseball. Must be an Indians fan. Big, big tribe fan. Right. Uh, just uh, anyway, go check it out, Peach. And and you, Cal. And you. You're not off the yeah, hook. Should I leave? Now. Should I leave the oh, show now and just go do that? <laughs> just go, go listen to it now. <laughs> yeah, come back in an hour, an hour and a half with your report on the show. Give us a brief pressy. Okay. Oh, I, uh, can, I give you, can I give you a very quick nerd alert? Always. I'm, always. Just, I'm just very excited. I'm, I'm a little giddy about it. Do we um, need? Do we need like a little music or something? You want a little something? It's not. It's it's not. It's not that momentous. But. <laughs> He he just revealed the alert, but nobody heard it. What do you got now? Back to you. (laughs) More on this story later. Back to you, Steve. More on what could be killing you. Back to you, Steve. What story? What was he talking about? Stupid panda jerk. Uh, (laughs) What do you got? Nerd alert. I tripled the RAM in my laptop, (laughs) and it's wonderful. You just crashed the Internet, my friend. That's not a euphemism either, is it? (laughs) Oh, I have so many windows open, let me tell you. Twitter just blew up, my friend. You just blew up Twitter. Forget Debo. You know the craziest thing about it was that it was $40 to put 8 gigs of RAM into my computer. You know, when I say things on the uh, on the little promos for the show on Facebook about how you're going to tell everybody how you can turn their dishwasher into a uh, space station, right? I'm joking. 
Come on. <laughs> That's no moon. That's a space station. That wasn't too geek time for you. I'm just saying it's it's a it's a really uh, cheap, good, do-it-yourself, instant gratification little computer mod that anybody could do. That's uh, I, I, actually that is pretty cool because I need to upgrade the RAM on both my netbook and my laptop. Well, do it, my friend. Yeah. Do it. I've, I've just uh I also did Dan Aykroyd there as Obi Wan Kenobi. By the way. You guys just totally missed that. <laughs> I think that was only happening in your head. Yeah, I I missed it. That's no moon. That's a space station. <laughs> it's the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. It's the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. What did you do, Ray? <laughs> hey, quick guess, Fred Willard, how old is he? Seventy one. Ooh. I say PJ? 72. 72. 72. He's 72. Remarkable. And and you know what? I don't know if that was said during the podcast. It might have been. If it was, I missed it, so I just took a guess there. Yeah, I just looked it up, and I was I was shocked. Wouldn't have thought that. I mean, he's been around forever, but I still wouldn't have thought that. I feel shocked. Well, he stays in terrific shape because he's on an all-tomato diet. He does uh, still does a lot of sketch. Once a month, he has a group with his wife, and they do a sketch, and uh, just really great. Really great. I feel shocked, Cotton. Stunned. Um, <laughs> yeah, shocked and stunned. Mm. Uh, if you haven't seen the Ruddles, go watch the Ruddles, too, while you're at it. Now, I bet you Cal's never seen the Ruddles. I've seen the Ruddles. There's a lot you, there's a lot you don't know. I guess I guess next is, you're going to why, talk, talk about that on the trying, show. You're too. trying to you're trying to categorize Cal as this sort of wallflower, doesn't leave the house, you know, doesn't put on certain channels of the television, would never have seen this kind of guy. I think he's been around. I, you know, I'm not just Mets. No, no, any, Mets and Monty Python. He's he's, he's well rounded. Listen, apparently. Oh, I know. I, I have, I do have a little. Cult. <laughs> you do have a little cult of what? I have a little culture in me. You have a ton of culture. It's right in your wheelhouse. That's why I said I, you know, I, I did sort of say I bet you've never seen it. I apologize. I shouldn't. It's subtle, it's subtle and hidden, but it's it's on call whenever I need it. You know what's you know what's wonderful about it, Cal? It's that you're not me, and you beat everybody over the head with it by quoting from it endlessly. That's well, look. Lord have mercy. I just sit. Back, I just sit, sit back and let it happen. All right. You don't beat over everybody over the, about the head, quoting from it. Or as PJ likes to <laughs> like there once said about me, Steve's a lot of fun unless you've already seen that movie. <laughs> <laughs> Go on. What's the rest of it? He makes a great white noise machine. <laughs> also makes an excellent white noise machine. Correct. I actually tried to name the band that at one point. White Noise Machine, he was, yes. He was not abused. <laughs> yeah. But also, neither was the NAACP, which was the other problem with that name. Oh, stop it. Oh, we could have gotten away with it. All right, Peach, we're going to go talk about Tebow. Enough now. Because we've been arguing about Tebow all day, again. Did you hear he's getting uniform number 316? <laughs> Look what he was doing to our family. 
Look what he's doing to us. <laughs> I think we need to do like a very emotional public service announcement for Jet fans. You're, I, I want to go all James Dean and Rebel without a cause on it. You're tearing me apart! I don't buy it. I think it's all going to be fine. One of you says Wildcat. One of you says 20 snaps. You're tearing me apart! Sorry. That was a James Dean and uh, Rebel Without a Claw. Uh, cause. <laughs> Rebel Without that a Claws. That was a little more Franco than Dean, though. You kind of... Uh... You kind of went thing. meta with it. I did go meta. I did go a little, little meta with it. A little Franco on TNT there. Is that what I did? A little Franco doing Dean. Like last week, you did a little spacey doing Mathal. You know? I like the way you do that. It's got layers. Wasn't Rebel Without a Clause the Steve Gutenberg holiday movie on ABC Family? It was, right? <laughs> what, did he work in a motorcycle shop or something? He did. Rebel without a clause. Aw, <laughs> <laughs> oh, Dad, you're always working. Are you going to make it to my concert? Gee, Jimmy, I'll try. Not this. These, these motorcycles don't fix themselves. <laughs> and then, of course, he rides in on the motorcycle as Santa Claus. Correct. At the uh, key moment of the Christmas pageant. Can we cast the wife or... Ex-wife, as it probably was in this one. They're separated. Shelly Long. Too easy. <laughs> I, want to, I want to challenge you a bit here. Bonnie Bedelia. <laughs> she brings the darkness with it. Ooh. Very good. I like it. Stun casting. Very well done. Sexy Christmas. <laughs> Sexy Claus. Okay. Uh, uh, yes. To the uh, point at hand that Tim Tebow is tearing friendships asunder. Um, I, look, I'm okay. So, what were we accused of? Well, I want to talk about the Brickishaw Ferguson's comments. All right, but before we do that, I want to talk about Darrell Revis's comments. But before all of that, before all of that, I've got breaking news. I said. I've got breaking news. Oh, I'm sorry. That's, uh, I apologize. That's, excuse me. Excuse me. That's uh, okay. I've got breaking news. This just in to the RTU Sports Desk. Oh, goodness. Tim Tebow. Now, boy. Has established his presence on Twitter. He's finally weighed in. Wait a on his second. Trade to the Jets on Twitter. Wait a second. This is. This is. We may need different music. This is huge. Tim Tebow is on Twitter. Not, well, yes, he's 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 always been on Twitter, but he has now tweeted four times today about his trade to the Jets. <sighs> Are you ready for this? I'm psyched. Apparently. <laughs> All right, ready? Tim Tebow. That sounds like the devil's music. Yeah, yeah, this is... Um, Tim Tebow on Twitter. I've already said it 44 times, so here goes number 45. I'm really excited to be a Jet. Ha ha. All joking aside, 
It's truly an honor to be a Jet, and I'm anxiously looking forward to going to work with all of my new teammates and coaches. Fireman Ed and the rest of Jets Nation, I'm going to play my heart out for you. J-E-T-S, Jets, 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 end tweet. Did you just Tebow as you finished and <laughs> did you finish reading that tweet? Oh, I did the end scene. All right. Cause it looked... I'm, not an, I'm not an actor. I can't, I don't. So it's uncomfortable. Uh, I, I don't know. If, I don't know if I want to spend the next thirty minutes breaking down his tweets. No, we're not going to. But I, th- I felt it was very important. No, no. That's honestly, Brian. That's huge. It, look, uh, so much uh, since last week when we were on. It was the day of the trade. Uh, I, of course, hated it at first. I've been accused of backtracking. I don't think I've backtracked. I think I, I still hate the trade. I still think it was made. Let me let me run this scenario by you, Bri. This is what I'm going with right now. And I think I sort of said it last week, but let, this is – I was talking to Rich, our buddy Rich, the other day. I was talking to uh, uh, Dan, who uh, – our buddy Dan, who hates this trade. I mean every Jet fan except Dr. E. Ray Stat loves uh, – hates this trade, right? I don't hate it. And of course every – well, I don't hate it anymore. Yeah, I've come around a little bit. I mean I hate that they made it. But they made it. So you, I don't. I don't hate that they made it. I wish they hadn't. Okay, but just uh, let me answer me this. Tell me I if wish this sounds. called me first. That's all. Yeah, and so does Mark Sanchez. D- uh, tell me if this is if this is plausible. Okay, both of you guys. This is for you too, PJ. But tell me if this is plausible. This is how I think it went down. I think Woody Johnson caught wind of the fact that Tim Tebow is going to be made available, and I think Woody Johnson at that point goes to Mike Tannenbaum and says, I want him. Go get him. At that point, Mike Tannenbaum goes to Rex Ryan and Tony Sperano, his football guys, and says, look, here's the deal. And this may all happen in 20 minutes. Here's the deal. Just talk to Woody. He wants Tebow. Tebow's available. Can you use him? What do you think? If you are vehemently against this, I will tell him no. I will tell him the same thing I told him about going to get Peyton Manning. Okay, that we if we pursue it to a certain degree and it doesn't happen, we're going to look bad, so let's not do it. And Ryan and Sperano said, which is a version of what Tannenbaum said, by the way. Like this part Tannenbaum said. I was sitting between Rex Ryan and Tony Sperano, who had both been beaten by him, beaten by Tim Tebow's Broncos during the season, and I said, what do you guys think? And Rex said, you know what? We could use him. And he's the biggest show in town. Why not? And Sperano, most importantly, said, well, I tell you what. I was looking for somebody to run the Wildcat. He's a heck of a lot better than Jeremy Curley. Yes, go ahead with it. So the 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 brainchild or the... the uh, Inception is Woody Johnson. The reason he's a Jet is Woody Johnson. But the football guys have to sign off on it. They had to have. And what's getting overlooked here is, or or made fun of, depending if you're Mike Francesa, is that the fact that they're not the same offense as they were last year. They fired their offensive coordinator, and they brought in a guy who runs the Wildcat as part of his base offensive package. 
So you, you can sort of see the machinations for football. Does that sound plausible to you? I think all of that sounds plausible, except for the fact uh, where you suggested that Tannenbaum said, if this is not going to work, I'll go back to Woody and tell him it's not going to work. I don't believe that. I think Tannenbaum was on board with this along with Woody. You think there was no choice? There was no choice. And I think he knows he had no choice. All right. I, I, I think I disagree there because I think Tannenbaum in, in the past has been able to keep Woody Johnson at bay for some other things. I think if Rex and Sperano had said to him, no way, absolutely not, and then and Tannenbaum went back to Woody and said, look, I talked to the guys. This is not a good idea. Okay? This is not a good idea. Now, now whether they should have or not is a different story. <laughs> but they didn't. I think I th- I really do think that's the way down. And it, and and you know what? It's done. What's done is done. I'm a Jet fan. I will root for the Jets. I'm not going to boo Tebow. I think a lot. See, I think the criticism now has gone has jumped the shark. Mm-hmm. I really do. I really think the criticism of this move has completely jumped the shark to the point. To the point. Rex Ryan says we may use it twenty times in a game. We may use it too. What does the media take out of that? They're going to use it 20 times. That's a third of your plays. It's a quarterback platoon. It's, can we wait? Can we wait? Can we wait till one OT, please? OTA, can we wait? I mean, come on. Come on. Do you re- Rex Ryan needs to win this year. He, his, Cal, if they go 8-8 eight and eight again, guess what? Turn out the lights. The party's over. His job is in jeopardy. Okay, if you think for a second that he and Tony Sperano think that Tim Tebow is a better every-down quarterback than Mark Sanchez, you're out of your mind. You're out of your mind. If the Jets go 8-8, okay, the circus will be leaving town. (laughs) Speaking of the circus, we have Patrick Flood coming up in a minute. Patrick has joined the program for a, a number of times. He's holding on. Just hold on a couple seconds, Patrick. We got a little bit of a late start. I hope you can hold. We're going to talk about the Mets and get off this Tebow crap. But I do want to say this, Bri. Darrell Rivas and DeBrickishaw Ferguson not helping. No. Can the Jets shut up? Can they shut up? No. I mean, can no, they, Darrell Rivas, can he just say, you know what? I don't know what's going to happen. We'll see. Good football player. That's all. I mean, isn't that hard? And I will say the one thing well, you were you were talking about DeBrick's comments. What did DeBrick say? Uh he he says I'm sure uh what does he say? I'm sure Jets training camp will be buzzing and there'll be a lot of cameras around, it can be a distraction, but at the same rate it can be positive for us as well. We've just got to figure out how best to navigate all those things. So his comments were not that bad. But of course they lead with the Tebow edition will bring a circus atmosphere. Right. And then of course, they don't follow the lead. They just they, that's what they lead with. And then buried in the story is the fact that the comments are not that bad, right? And and the other thing that he said, which was great, I thought, was about <clears throat> he alluded to the idea that it's perception. Who you Ferguson? Know? Yeah, about if the Patriots. He didn't say this, but he sort of alluded to this idea. 
Like the Patriots are always doing something crazy personnel-wise like this. And then it works out, and you're and you're like, why did the Patriots do that in the off season? And then you're like, oh, I see. Like that's what the brick said. He's like, when the season plays out, you're like, oh, that's why. Right. And and that I I had uh, tweeted with Rod Boone, uh, uh, the beat guy for Newsday for the Jets. Newsday? He's Newsday still, right? Yes. Um, he's very good, by the way, Cal. I need to read him more. I think he's very fair. Is that me? I I don't I I don't I don't follow him so okay um, well I stopped following Manesh Mehta from the Daily News who covered yeah this is, that that was this week's uh... right my first ever unfollow and it was ceremonious I got I got in a couple of punches before I left I love that I love that Doctor Erase that uh, our buddy Evan thinks that I'm like biting a pillow and just so furious when I'm because that that is that is the impression right. I, and I'm like, like, so not. I know. He, he's like, why are you engaging these guys on Twitter? I'm like, I, I don't. I'm throwing it out to the atmosphere. It's like when you read the paper and the article annoys you, and you're like, I wish I could say this. Well, I can. <laughs> it doesn't mean they're reading it. <laughs> well, he's gone. We've unfollowed him. Yes, he's but gone. anyway, uh, I tweeted to Rod Boone saying it's all about perception. If the Patriots make this move for Tim Tebow. They're throwing bouquets at Bill Belichick's feet. There he goes again. He'll oh, look out, NFL. He'll know how to use and, – and if Belichick came out and said, and you know what, we may use it 10, 15 times a game, which, mm-hmm. by the way, is not crazy. They had Josh McDaniel, and I've read in several places, including from Schefter, that they were interested in Tebow. Well. But no, the Jets do it, and it's crazy pants. Well, it's perception. I mean, and everything is perception. It's like if Jabba Chamberlain was a Met, what he did would have been irresponsible, oh, and only about it. <laughs> you know, and only the Mets. Could you imagine? Whereas now, it's well, the only thing he's guilty of is being a, is being a good father. Yeah, and and that would feel have, so bad. For him. That would have broken the only the Mets meter. Oh my! Yeah, like that would have buried the needle for right. months. Um, two two last things, and then we're gonna bring in uh, our buddy Patrick. On uh, Tebow, Revis and the whole calling Bill Belichick a jerk thing mm-hmm. is is. Did you see the interview, Brian? Uh, no, I just heard the comments. I read I read the comments. It, it, was, it was a dopey word association game mm-hmm. that he and Rob Gronkowski were playing on ESPN and like a sixty second word association thing or whatever because they were promoting uh, Madden right for the cover of the new Madden. Which everybody was so funny tweeting, Darrell Revis, don't worry about a curse, he's already on the jet. <laughs> funny? This stuff writes itself. You can't make it up, folks. You could. Well, you could. You'd be an idiot. Um, but anyway, they were like, he was, uh, it was, uh, first thing that comes to your head, go, Bill Belichick. And he goes, jerk. And Gronkowski was like, I did not see that coming. Can, can he say that? And it's like, you care to elaborate on that? He's like, well, just, you know, some of the comments, some of the things he said about the Jets, sort of a jerk. And that was it. I mean, it wasn't, yep. you know, he didn't go out of his way to call him a jerk. It was, I mean, come on. And Gronkowski got the best shot in of anybody. Because they asked him about Tim T. Te- his one word was Tim Tebow. Did you mm-hmm. see what he said? I don't remember. What was it? Starting quarterback of the New York Jets. E- that was 
the first thing that came to Zing! Mark Sanchez was watching that and did a spit take when he heard that. Mark Sanchez went Jack Tripper on that one. (laughs) Did he just say that? (laughs) What do you mean Chrissy's pregnant? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. So anyway, much ado about nothing. Lastly, you know, we got into it again in the RTU chat room with the guys. But... And something we didn't talk about last week, and I want to just touch on, and Patrick, we'll get to you in just a second. The football aspect, Brian. I sent you a really good article from uh, Grantland um, by their football writer there, who's a real X's and O's guy, about how and why this absolutely could work from mm-hmm. a football standpoint. And i got to be honest with you. I started to think about some of the – uh, I, I, I take this as a given, Right? There's no chance that they think he's a better starting quarterback than Mark Sanchez. None. Okay? So that's one given going into this. They're not bringing him in here to start or compete for the starting job. They're not. Those are givens to me. And no matter how badly the media wants it, no matter how many private planes he has or loyal fans he has, those do not equal starter. It's going to be what happens on the football field. And New York is not Denver. Okay. The Tim Tebow does come in and fumbles a snap, okay, they're going to be calling for Mark Sanchez. All right? This is not Denver. Okay? Their fan, Tim Tebow fans are not going to be able to buy tickets. Okay? So they may call for uh, uh, Tim Tebow all they want when Mark Sanchez is not playing well. The minute Tebow screws up, which he will because he's not an NFL quarterback, they'll want Mark Sanchez back. That's the way New York is, not Denver. Okay, but anyway, taking all that aside, from a football aspect, with the offensive coordinator that they now have, they added a very good weapon. Think about this, Bri. Think about that Denver game. Think about how well the defense played that whole game 72 hours after playing a game on Sunday night and getting beaten up by the Patriots and then getting on a plane and going to Denver to play in the Mile High City. All right? And the offense could not get a first down. They had, what, six or seven or six three and outs in a row. It was like a punt festival. It was was the run, punt, and pass conference. And if if you get four, say, four three and outs in that game, and you could roll Tebow and the Wildcat out there for a series just to pick up a couple of first downs and change things up. They don't even have to score. And give the defense a three- or four-minute breather. Okay? And then run Sanchez back out there. You, you've already, you've already, you're already ahead of the game. You haven't turned the ball over, and you've shifted the momentum. I think it can absolutely work, and I think there's going to be games where they only use it two or three times and games where they may need it 20 times. You play the Patriots twice a year. You play the Dolphins twice a year. You play the Bills twice a year. All those teams in your division, those are tough games. You play the Raiders every year for some inexplicable reason. I mean, those are that second game is difficult to win. You have to change things up. Why do you think the Giants lose to the Eagles once a year? Whether they stink or not, why do the Giants lose to the Redskins once a year? I'm telling you, it can work. From a football aspect, it can work, Bri. Now, 
Well, well go ahead. I'm sorry. No, I was going to say I agree, but let's 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 give it a chance to work. You know, let's not. And I, I keep I keep using this phrase, and I just change the date for whatever day we're on. But on March 28th. How can we say that it's going to be a failure? How can we say that? How can either way? How can we say it's going to be, it's it's going to be a success or it's going to be a failure? There's no way of saying that right now. You can't make a definitive statement on what's going to happen today, and you also can't make a definitive statement on what what it's even going to be. To say that because Rex Ryan on March 27th said they may use it 20 times in a game that it's going to be a quarterback platoon is idiotic. We don't know what it's, it's going to be. You don't know. They don't know. No. <laughs> right, exactly. They have no concept of the instrument. They were blowing into it. <laughs> All right, we, we've done it. That's it. I, I right. yeah. a, a week later, I gonna, I'm not going to lie to you. I feel like a Yankee fan when they got Clemens. I hate it. I still hate it. But you know what? I'm going to find a way to make it work. And and now I'm I'm just like you, Bri. You said it perfectly. When you said, now I want it to work, so all the media can eat a big, huge crap burger. Yep. Now I want – and which brings us to the Mets. <laughs> that's, that's a perfect segue. Brings us right to the Mets. my brain about what Bud's intro music would mean. Well, we've used this before for him. We have, right? Yeah. That's right. The last time he was on, I think we used this. And I think he appreciated it. Well, and also, I want to just say, now, there will be flood. Uh, see what I did there? I see. did do that the first time. Club play. I like it. Let's welcome back to Radio Unload, uh, our buddy from SNY.TV and the Mets blog there, PatrickFloodBlog.com, and also from the Mostly Mets podcast, which is on iTunes uh, with Toby Hyde and Ted Berg, uh, which has really taken off. And it's a, if you're a Mets fan, it's a weekly must-listen. Uh, boy, that was really radio-y. I apologize. <laughs> That was really radio-y. Hey, Patrick. Hey. Uh, what's going on, man? Long time no talk. The baseball season's upon us. I just did a ridiculously radio intro for you. No, that's okay. The Jets traded for Tim Tebow? No, I don't know if you've heard. No, no I didn't. It's been very underreported. That's, that's really falling under the radar. That's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those subtle little moves that championship teams make. It is, yeah. yeah. It's a little one. It's a little one during the off season that really build the championship team. Only those that study the transaction pages in the sports section would have known about that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> that's a, that brings me to my first question. Before we get to all the other uh, uh, Met stuff and 2012 and everything, uh, we have a ton to talk to you about. Thanks for joining us again. And um, but do you have a? Give me a comparison. It, who is there one? If the Mets traded for blank, this would be happening. I don't think there oh, is it. Uh, it, it'd be like if the Mets traded for, uh, I don't even know, uh, like a not very good third baseman. Um, 
who like who couldn't throw the ball to first base, and they were like, no, David Wright's definitely our third base, but nothing's going to happen to David Wright, but they, they got this guy anyway. Right. But he'd have to be insanely popular, too. Right. Yeah, yeah. He'd have I don't to know be, if there is a baseball equivalent, but it would be something like that. He'd have to be inexplicably the most popular player in football. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And he'd also have to be uh, religiously and politically polarizing, too. If we could do that. How come no baseball players are that way? No baseball players are that much yeah, dividing. Gonna, yeah, how come we don't have a, a baseball Tebow? I don't know. You know, I don't think you get that many. Uh, it's kind of a lull right now in terms of baseball players, of uh, like their personalities and stuff. Like the very best players uh, right now tend not to be very interesting. Like I Albert totally Bloch, point. not interesting. Yeah. You know, I think Bryce Harper would be the one that you can hope becomes good. Ooh. It would also be interesting. He could be the one player to unite us all. He could be that guy. Right, we're just like an awesome villain who at least has some kind of personality. <laughs> right, you guys, about. you guys said that on the podcast, and that was uh, on, on today's, uh, and, and that was, or the one that dropped today. Can we say dropped for a podcast? Yeah, <laughs> you guys dropped that like it was hot today, by the way. Uh, very, very hot track. Um, but you guys cast Bryce Harper as like a future villain, and I sort of love that. Yeah, I think <laughs> like he'd be really good for that, because he kind of already is, you know? He needs to, as long as he's good, I think he'll he'll be a very good villain for a long time. Well, well, Patrick, would he would he be the replacement to Chipper Jones since Chipper Jones is retiring now? I don't want to put that on anyone because Chipper Jones has been such a good villain for such a long time. <laughs> really I'm, really like, I'm going to be sad when he goes because he's been so good. Like, kind of just like so evil the whole time and kind of in on it that it, but, he's, he's impossible to replace. But does he earn your respect on his way out now? Like, after all these years of hating him, finally you have to admit that you respect him at the end? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I think he'll get a, like a big standing ovation when uh, whenever you know, the Braves are in town in September and it seems like it's going to be his last time at, at, you know, playing the Mets at home. I think, mm-hmm. I think, right. I mean, would you applaud him? Like, just give him a nice round of like, you know, goodbye. Hope to never see you again, but it's been fun. <laughs> I, I, feel, way. I feel like Cal and I differ on this though. Cause we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, Cal. And I said, Chipper, I sort of love now. Like Chipper is that evil villain that I've sort of come to love as in, in my old age. Cause he really, he still hurts us. I mean, he still had like big hits against us last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, not us. I don't play, but still big hits against the Mets and stuff like that. But he's he's the lovable villain. Yeah, you know, he's, he's kind of like he's he seems to be in on it. Like he understands the jokes he and does, then plays exactly. up to it sometimes. Yeah. He embraced it. I yeah. tell you, we we haven't had a guy like that since Rocker, right? Yeah, no, I there think... really hasn't been any kind of like really evil villain kind of people to show up. I mean, well, just the whole Phillies team, really, but, yeah. but not in like <laughs> that's a... That's right. one, right? Not like an actual I, bad guy, bad guy. And Oliver Perez. <laughs> yeah, and Oliver Perez. <laughs> he, was our, he was our homegrown villain, though. Like, he was our own villain. Right. Yeah, he wasn't yeah, a villain I mean, to anybody else. Yeah, guys like that, like, you know, Oliver Perez and... Louis Castillo, sure. Yeah, we were uh, we were at we. Uh, this is our twelfth uh, episode of the third season, and we did our favorite Met twelves uh, for this episode. Who's your favorite Met twelve of all time? Met twelve. Yeah, who who uh, wore number twelve that you love? It's it's Robbie Alomar, isn't it? Gosh, that's a tough one. 
but it's Scott Hairston right now, right? Scott Hairston is number twelve right now. That's correct. Yeah. Uh, what, who else is more number twelve at the Mets? Well, see, we're we're a little we're a little hundred years older than you, so we our yeah. favorite twelve is is uh, John Stearns. Okay, yes, he's before me. And I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm running low here. Darling, it's like, wore, uh, Darling wore it uh, for a little while. Okay. Ronnie wore it uh, before fifteen, uh, or no, after fifteen. He wore it after fifteen. After fifteen. Uh, uh, Frank Frank Hoare. Oh, oh gosh, yeah, yeah, Jeff Francoeur. <laughs> I think I'll go with him. Let's go with Jeff Francoeur. Jeff Francoeur is yeah. definitely my favorite number 12. <laughs> the guy um, who proves sabermetrics is not just a theory. Yes, Jeff Francoeur. Jeff, <laughs> uh, Je- Jeff Kent also wore number 12. That's right, Jeff Kent. Wow. Uh, when we had him, when he wasn't good. Um So uh, a, a number of things I want to get to, uh, Patrick. It's been a really – Interesting off season. Um, a lot of stuff you've talked about on on uh, the Mostly Mets podcast, so I don't want to sort of overlap. But one thing that was extremely intriguing, and I got to be honest with you, Patrick, sort of exciting for me to read recently on your blog was you talking about having press credentials and a press pass. Yes. And like we we talked to you like two years ago on this show when you were just sort of writing your blog and and we were touting how good your blog was and how good your writing was and it, it remained so, but it was like reading that was like oh he's all wow look at how far this is amazing like this is really cool that you and and of course Ted and 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 stuff but you have come this far to be you were on the field like watching BP and like hanging out and so tell us a little bit uh, cuz Brian and I are insanely jealous but um not in a, not in like a bad way but uh tell us a little bit about that oh uh, what's it like it is it was like what I wrote about there's a lot of just standing around in different places there is an enormous amount of standing around and just kind of watching things happen like just kind of being like this floating eyeball that you get to like see things, but you kind of just stand there and don't really interact with any of them. <laughs> Sounds like it's like being in a room with a tiger. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, it's kind of like being at the zoo almost, but like there's no cage, like there's nothing in between you, and, you know, like <laughs> it's it's kind of like that. I mean, it's, it's very cool, it's very cool, but uh, at the same time, there are long stretches where you're just like, okay, so I just stand here now for a very long time waiting for somebody to talk to all the reporters, and then I'll just listen in because that might be interesting. Right. Now, uh, you talked about something on uh, today's uh, Mostly Mets that I thought was really funny about, uh, was it Frank Francisco talking about Ike Davis? Yes. Yeah, well, that's the other thing. <laughs> it's like sometimes you just wander around, you overhear bits of conversation and things like that. And yeah, it was Frank Francisco who didn't know who Ike Davis was, I think. Um, <laughs> but I'll give him a break because he's a pitcher and like he's doing pitcher stuff all day. And it's not yeah. like they're really interacting with anybody else. But, uh, yeah, he saw like, he was watching like David take batting practice and asked Danny Murphy like who that was, and then was kind of horrified at the humongous light kick that like Davis has like you know that's really his swing, and then that's I, the kind of stuff you see. Right, I love two things about that story. One, that he doesn't know who Ike Davis is, yep. uh, but two, that he's he's boys with Daniel Murphy. Like Daniel Murphy, he knows. Uh, I'm I'm not sure if he knew Daniel Murphy's name. <laughs> he knew he was a teammate, and he knew he was somebody he could ask about. But I'm not. I, if I had to know whether or not he knew the name, I would have. Well, he's still he's still learning them. He's, it's like you know, it's like orientation for him. 
Yeah, he's new. You know, you give him a couple of weeks into the regular season to figure out who everyone is. <laughs> I went through four years of college with people I missed at orientation. I still didn't know their names. Um, yeah. But, well, one of the other things that I was interested to hear was you um, – you know, sort of have come at the Mets and and at it from a a fan perspective, but also a fan who's uh, extremely analytical and stuff like that. Were you able to sort of uh, put that into play while you were watching drills or you were watching, uh, you know, I mean, when when they're doing a rundown drill or they're doing uh, piggyback cutoffs from the outfield or something like that, were you able to sort of – uh, meld those two things together like you're extremely sort of analytic and I know you're not a huge sabermetrician but I know you you do like those numbers and stuff were you able to sort of meld that and see how they they fit together do you know what I mean like the uh, the way the game is practiced and the way the game is played um I mean the thing that impressed me most about uh spring training practice things like that not necessarily anything to do with the numbers because I don't think uh, I think that's something almost the front office thinks about when they're putting the team together. And then once kind of you get the coaches out there, the coaches do their own thing. Um, except for Dave Hudgens, who I think uh, at least has it kind of bases his philosophy on what actually works based on facts and things like that. And he tries to implement that. I heard things about him showing minor leaguers, like, you know, um, the heat maps, like, you know, where are good places to swing at pitches based on, like, you know, people actually graphing out all the, the pitches and where they go and what's a good strike to swing and that kind of stuff. But in terms of what, what actually impressed me the most about watching everyone practice is thinking about, like, I, I don't know if you guys watch, um, I think I've talked about this on my podcast, too. If you watch, like, NBA basketball this year, uh, like how bad a lot of the shooting percentages are, and you get those, like, just, like, horrific possessions, and then you get a couple of them in a row back and forth. It looks really bad, and it almost just stresses how important practice is, even to professional athletes. They actually do need to work on this stuff for, if you're a major league baseball player, for, like, the six, eight weeks before the season as silly as half the drills look and how you're like, do they really need to practice this still? I think they actually do because, because, you know, playing professional baseball is hard. Yeah, no, they, they, they really do. I mean, I, I know, you know, we've talked about it before on the show, but I, uh, I, I obviously didn't play major league baseball, professional baseball, but I played in college and I, I, uh, and you know, Cal played uh, baseball. We, we, you know, we both played for a really long time. And I remember, you know, you're going through the fall season, and I loved practice. I mean, that's something uh, some of my friends and I that played uh, ball in, in college and stuff like that, we loved practice. Like, this was our favorite time of the year. I mean, games are great, and they'll always be great, and they'll always have a special place. But I could go out and and do those drills all day. Now, of course, I was never in a major league camp <laughs> and having to do them for nine hours at a time, you know, or whatever. But it, it is important, and it is something that, now, were you able to be at a camp under uh, Jerry Manuel? Uh, no, no. I, uh, I mean, I went to spring training before. I went the past year, and I've been years before, uh, another year before, but that was, like, with my dad and siblings. So that wasn't really, like, watching. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't quite the same experience. Because I was going to ask you if there were, you know, really uh, discernible differences between the way Terry Collins, uh, especially with the fundamentals and stuff, and the way Jerry Manuel seems to run a day. Uh, No, I have no idea. Um, (laughs) Honestly, my assumption would be that they all just do the same kind of – because it's baseball, you know? Like, you can stress different things, but ultimately it's all, like, you have guys work on fielding, you have guys work on hitting, and you have to pitch your throw, and that's really all of them. Well, I mean, one of the things that Terry Collins said – I'm sorry, Kyle, I'll get to you in a sec. 
I just want to say one of the things that Terry Collins said uh, or has said uh, about uh, something that they didn't do under Jerry Manuel, which is take a lot of infield. Um, and 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 he made it sound as if that's not something uh, very common, you know, to, to take as much infield as the Mets are taking. Let's face it, they need it, um, you know, considering where they have guys and, and uh, Ruben Tejada being nicked up and like they need to take infield. They They really do. But he... He talked about it as if like infield taking infield had become like a given, and like some teams don't do it as often as they are doing it or whatever. So, I, I was just wondering if you saw more of that, like more of a stress on fundamentals. I mean, I was there for a couple of days, not that long, but in the the small time I was there, it seemed like they did they were doing more fielding drills this year than they were last year. Whereas like they do their stretching and throwing at like you know like nine thirty nine forty five in the morning, and then at ten o'clock. Whereas last year it would be bad at practice for like two hours with all different people in all different fields or working on like stone base and stuff like that. This year there's a lot of fielding, just like a lot of fielding drills. Um, and I don't know if that's just a reflection on on how bad they think the fielding is going to be this year, but they did a lot of it. They did a lot of practice. I was going to say, does does it look like it's working? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think we'll see when the season starts. I don't know. It's ask, hard to tell. Yeah, ask again in June. Yeah. I had a question, and I don't know how much of this you saw or or if it even happens in camp. Did you get a sense of the veterans on the team, the guys that have been around a little bit longer, working with the younger players, or was that more of a role that the coaches were were taking with the you know the younger players, the the kids that are that are. Uh, in their first major league camp. I, I just, I've always been curious as to what kind of role the veteran players played in, in their development. I think it depends on the player. I saw Johan Santana and uh, Miguel Batista sort of do some, uh, you know, like extra pitching coaching when they're not doing anything else. They're just working with random guys, like, you know, working on different things. Um, you see some of that for a lot of position players. I think, I think part of it with the veteran guys would be like Jason Bay and David Wright and Santana. That it's just kind of, um, in terms of actual leadership, is probably more of the just by example, like they do their job, they get it done, like they show up and they're on time, that kind of stuff, with the idea being that these are the, the good guys who are doing it, so all the, the, the kids have to do it too because they haven't earned it the way like right and they have. I, I, uh, that's interesting because I, I get the feeling – Couple things. I don't. I don't want to go into a ton about the Madoff stuff, and you know we've talked about with uh, that stuff with you in the past, Patrick. And I, I really don't. You know, we all know what happened. We all know what the courtroom decision. Let's talk about this team right now. Um, we're fans. I, I know your press pass hasn't spoiled you. You know, you're still a fan. We, we obviously. I've listened to all your guys' previews of the other, uh, other NLS uh, East teams and stuff. I we we remain fans, so we remain optimistic. But. Um, one of the things that I found extraordinarily interesting was Sandy Alderson on with Mike Francesa here in New York uh, the other day uh, talking about, uh, you know, in, Francesa in his inimitable way asked him, is the, uh, is the bloodletting over? Is that, I mean, do you think you're at the end of it? And and Sandy said, yeah. He said, I, I really do. I, I really think that, you know, basically to paraphrase, but he said, you know, we're not cutting another $50 million of payroll. I mean, th- this is it. We we did what we had to do, you know. Now we can either add to it if if need be, or but do you think that's tr- 
crew, you were down there. These look like a good group of guys. I mean, they look like a group of guys that genuinely like each other, and they may not be the most talented team that ever lived. But they do look like there's good, quote-unquote, chemistry there. And I I think the I can see that the bloodletting might be over. Do you think that's true? Do you think that it's, uh, as Sandy Olsen said, on an ascension? Uh, I think I think they're... I want to say they're at a low plateau. Uh, I don't think it's going to go any further down. Like I don't think it's getting any worse, but it might take this year before it starts to get better. Whereas this year is about like they have all the young players um, and sort of seeing who's going to wash out and who's somebody you can build around. And I think that's what this year is about more than anything. And and just sort of seeing like is Jason Bay going to wash out or can you hang on to Jason Bay for this year or next year and count on him to be reliable. And the same thing for David Wright and the younger guys like his roommate Tahana going to be good enough to be a starting shortstop for, you know, however many years in the future, or is he somebody that they're going to have to replace eventually when it's time to compete again? All those kinds of questions that I think um, what this year is about. So not necessarily getting better right away, but not getting worse either. Now, the big the big story down there this spring uh, appears to be, and you know, from, from our perspective, is Johan Santana coming back from injury. Now, you were down there, and the from everything that you read, it seems like a real positive thing for this team. Did you get that sense down there that the team was kind of energized a little bit about Santana's comeback and, and the fact that he's he's made it through the first three or four weeks of the spring without any incident? Uh, he's, he's a really uh, – he's like a superstar. And, and maybe not talent-wise anymore. We'll see how the arm holds up. But in terms of like personality – and, like, he acts like he's the best player on the team. And I think he really does think that he's still, you know, Johan Santana and stuff like that. And I think that brings something that the Mets haven't really had um, in terms of personality that, that I've seen. Um, I mean, they've had other good players, obviously, recently, um, like Jose Reyes and Carlos Beltran are gone now and David Wright, but none of them were, uh, apparently have quite the same, uh, like, charisma, I want to say, as Johan Santana. I think that's... That's what he brings. At least he's very interesting to watch, just about anything. Is he similar to Pedro Martinez in that respect? Uh, you know, that's probably a good comparison. I don't think he's quite as uh, eccentric, maybe, as Pedro Martinez. <laughs> I don't know if he's going to be. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if he's going to be like running around the clubhouse naked like Pedro Martinez is famous <laughs> for doing. But, but no, yeah, some of that same kind of like superstar pitcher thing going on. Yeah. And they, and you know what? Frankly, the, this team needs that. This team has been beaten down uh, as an organization, as a franchise and stuff. They need him. Even you you hit the nail on the head, Patrick, not even from a pitching aspect, but just from a presence aspect. You know, you could even you could even see it in the way they were talked about after he's had a few outings where he hasn't, you know, he's he's pitched well. Yeah, and he'd just be I think something even if the Mets are just horrific this year. If he's healthy and he makes a start every five days that's like one really interesting game to watch every five days. He's something to look forward to. Um, yeah. Now, the rest of the team's exactly. Now, along those lines, let's, let's talk very specifically about uh, going into this year. Hey, we're, we're excited. It's baseball, right? Let's not, yeah. you know, Cal and I are going to be there on opening day. Uh, you know, let's, uh, let's get it on. But there's always the Arizona Diamondbacks from last year to point to. So, <laughs> which means everybody has hope. Um, 
But specifically, Sandy Alderson talked a little bit about a six-man rotation, Patrick, and I I just think that this at some point this season, and and my, my uh, sort of want for it is is uh, predicated on either you know Matt Harvey or, or Familia doing really well and meriting a call up. But I think if you can limit the exposure of Santana, if you can limit the exposure of uh even even, you know, John Neese and Dylan G in their in their uh in their development, at some point, wouldn't it be great if they could go to sort of like a six man rotation for like a month or two even, just to bring up one of those guys, get them some starts, have Johan go every six day, maybe only make twenty two, twenty four starts instead of thirty? Am I crazy? Is that I mean they're not going to be good, right? Idea. I don't think it would happen if only because the odds of all five pitchers still being healthy in, you know, like August and Harvey or Familia forcing their way up. I think right. it, it's kind of like you need seven things to go right or six things yeah. to go right to get a six-man rotation, and that never happens. Damn it. Damn it. I know. Well, it could be if you look at it like, and then Chris Young gets healthy and is, you know, going to start pitching, then maybe you just need to hit like six out of eight with right. one well, of the young guys forcing their way in. Yeah. Right, that's what Alderson alluded to. I mean, his allusion was to Chris Young being a member of that equation. But I, I would love to see it with the young guys, and I would love to see it like May fifteenth. I mean, again, that's like me. Like, well, they don't, they don't need to use. They can give Johan an extra day for like his first six starts. Isn't that correct? Because of the off days. Yeah, they have off days. Yeah. So they can build in an extra day for like his first six starts, which is great. Right, so you know? he's starting off slow, and then just see how he goes. Yeah. So and you never know uh, with this stuff. Like last year, last spring, everyone was talking about how to keep Carlos Beltran healthy through the whole year, and mm-hmm. then like they kind of rested him every couple of days for like the first two weeks, and then he just played every game the rest of the way. Yeah, then he just played a hundred yeah. straight games. Right, it was yeah. fine. Um, a couple of things very specifically about the team. I know you guys on mostly Mets on the podcast, which is available on iTunes, by the way. Um, went through the NL East and stuff like that. Cal and I have been doing that in bits and pieces, dribs and drabs, and then Tim Tebow became a Jet, and it all went to pot. But, but to, to go, I, I I do have a bone to pick with you guys, and it's okay. It, it's bothering me a little. It's not bothering me. I I think it's an interesting conversation. You guys went. I know Ted picked. I think he picked the Braves, right, to win the East. Yeah, he picked the Braves. But he wasn't quite sure why, which I loved. Yeah. <laughs> like I don't know, they asked me. Um <laughs> and and you know, the wonderful thing about that is Ted could probably think of a, a million reasons why, but um but anyway, you guys went around the horn with that lineup. Yeah. And I, I as I was listening to it, I was like, I can't wait to get Patrick on the show tonight cuz I got to ask him go around the horn with the Mets. How are yeah. they exponentially better? Oh, in terms of lineup between the Braves and the, the yeah, Mets? Yeah, yeah, I mean... Oh, yeah, no, no, the Mets The Mets might have the best lineup in the division, but that's not where their problem is. No, no, I understand that. I understand that the Braves pitching is is, is, is markedly better. I get all that. I, I, I definitely do. It's just that every team in that division... Like, I, I went around the horn with, you know, Freeman and Davis. You know, that could be a wash. And Ugla and Murphy, you know, um, they're both butchers in the field and are going to cost their team 15 runs from a defensive standpoint, maybe a week. 
But, you know, Murphy will probably hit 320 and Uggle will hit 35 home runs and 210. You know, you go to shortstop, and I actually like Tejada over whoever they're going to run out there. You know, yep. Wright is probably going to be better than Chipper Jones on one leg. You go to the outfield, I mean, Bay and Eric Hinsky? I mean, come on. Yeah, okay. You know? Uh, center field is, is is sort of a wash, and and then right field obviously they have Hayward, but I I think Duda is Lucas Duda has a chance to be a player, and of course McCann over Josh Toy is is a uh, is a, is a big step, but Josh Toy's not as bad as everybody no, makes him out. To be. No, he's not as bad as everyone seems to think he is. Yeah. He's really not. He's just a serviceable major league catcher. Everybody wants him to be Mike Piazza. It's not going to happen. And you guys said that on your cast, and I'm saying it here. It's true. Enough with the Josh Toy. All right. And I was a catcher. And I, I personally think pass ball should count as errors, but that's just me. I always have. But, you know, enough. He's got to catch a knuckleballer every five days. I caught three of those guys in college. It stinks. <laughs> so, anyway. But you go around the horn. Their lineup can be solid. It, it, it absolutely can be. Yeah, I mean, in terms of scoring runs. Yeah. Right. The problem is that they've got, like, Four or five guys who maybe are really first basemen, uh, <laughs> not like oh, just scattered all over the field. There's that. How did yeah, that? And how did that happen? <laughs> that happens. I think that just happens when you have a farm system like the Mets had a couple of years ago, where just like everybody is a first baseman. Anyone that's hitting is a first baseman. So you're like, well, let's just try to see if they can play other positions. So you like Josh totally becomes a catcher, and then Daniel Murphy goes outfielder to like. You know, first base converted first baseman, and then he turns into a second baseman at some point. And Lucas Duda is like a first baseman left fielder, and they're like, we, they don't have room for him, so they just stick with right field. And and that's kind of how it happens. And then you got Ike Davis, who actually is a first baseman and plays first base. They also had Nick Evans, who could play everywhere. He was a first no, baseman. Nick Evans, gone. Nick Evans is gone. No, they no, they had him though. He was they part had of that. Evans, right. They had Evans with another one who was just kinda like another one of that group. Else could play him. Yeah, that group. They had just an enormous number of guys. And like right. Mike Carp who's now, you know, playing for the Mariners. Also <laughs> another guy one. that was just like yeah. in the first baseman. Yeah. Alright. And, and and they somehow started Mike Jacobs on an opening day. Exactly, yeah, when they had all these different guys <laughs> who played first base. Only Mike two Jacobs years ago, too. Only two yeah. years ago. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. So, uh, Patrick, everybody went nuts with uh, Jordani Valdespin, uh, who, by the way, may d- eventually develop in one of the better names to say. Yeah. And to hear and to hear Howie Rose say. Yeah. Um, and you can't put a price on that. Do you think? Do you think uh, you got to see him uh, firsthand down there in Florida? Uh, and we we obviously we read Toby's blog, and we you know we know we've known about this kid for a while, whatever. Bad rep, kind of talent. Uh, he obviously shows up in the locker room in a motorcycle jacket. I don't know what what's his problem. <laughs> uh, well, here's the thing: if you hear like when you have young players coming up through systems, everyone almost for every player, everyone says what a nice young man he is because that's just like the assumption you make about like kind of like shy major league, you know, like minor league guys as they come up, if they're deferential and things like that. You just say they're nice people. Like everyone says like when, when, when everyone comes up, they just talk about what a nice player are and then they slowly reveal themselves. Like the jerks slowly reveal themselves. <laughs> but, if, but if you have a guy coming up in the minor leagues and everyone's like, this is a bad guy, just think about like what a bad guy he might actually be. Like Bryce Harper. 
for example. Like, everyone's just like, this guy's like, kind of a jerk already. Right. And as opposed to the way, maybe maybe Steven Strasburg is also a jerk, but nobody said it when he was coming up because it's just like, oh, he's so nice, what a nice guy, whatever. Because <laughs> that's just our default assumption about, you know, very talented baseball players. Right. So I think that's the thing to think about Falbuston. And also that he doesn't really walk either. So he's got a, he's still has, no. he's got holes in his game. He's allergic to walking. Yeah, he he really is. Uh, those numbers, what did he have, like, three walks and, like, 500? I mean, he had re- really ridiculous numbers. He got to, like, AAA and walked four times and, like, struck out, like, 25-something times in, like, you know, in, like, 50 games or something. It was... Right. Yeah. And, like, you, and can, he, you can walk by like, accident yeah. ten times. Right. Right, and <laughs> he, he makes the... He's not really a shortstop because he makes too many errors at shortstop. I don't think you could play him in, at, at shortstop in the major leagues. No. Can he play center field, though, Patrick, do you think? I mean, that's something we've talked about before in the podcast, the idea that, like, you can kind of take infielders, like like Willie Harris is an example, and Scott Harrison, and, and kind of make them, like, scratch center fielders, like, decent decent. He's extraordinarily fast. He's extraordinarily fast, is he not? Right, and, and, and you know, you, your infielders still have to get under and catch pop-ups sometimes. So, like, you know, at least you can sort of do that. You know how to catch balls that are in the air. Well, um, one of the things about yeah, one of the things about the outfield, especially center field, is that speed is a great equalizer uh, it, it, because it can make up for a mistake. If you can cover a ton of ground, uh, you don't have to be the best tracker of fly balls because you can make mistakes and make up for them. And, right, and I think that's their thought process behind maybe trying right. him in center field just to see, like at least right. you know increase his value, make him more versatile. Yeah. Do you? How do you feel about their? You're you're also you know with along with Toby obviously, but you're you're obviously a big minor league guy. They I think they came out at twentieth, twenty sixth for the minor league system. Was it not improved or something? I remember reading that. Oh, we know those rankings. Ah, uh, I don't put that much weight to those rankings because I'm not I, sure. I, I don't either. I don't either. Yeah, but... like well, if you go back, I'm sure if you go back like four or five years, the teams ahead very good farm systems four or five years ago. Maybe some of them are doing really well. I bet some of them are still just middle of the pack because, you know, ultimately it's about the major league talent. And there are other ways to get that besides the farm system. Right. I mean, the Royals are a prime example of having a wonderful system, you know, for five years and still having not won anything. Yes. But I think think their system is improved. That one point I wanted to bring up, was I think the Mets are in a very unique position. Now, let's take the Madoff crap out of the equation and the fact that if they were somehow in contention, uh, you know, around trade deadline, and I think they could make a move. And Sandy Alderson said it the other day. We could make a move. We could add salary if we need to. Um, I don't think I could have said that a month ago, he said, or even two weeks ago. Uh, But taking that out of the equation, you guys have touched on this a little bit, and I wanted to actually talk to Brian about it because Brian and I haven't had a chance to talk about it. The Mets are in a very unique position. I was saying this to a uh, Yankee fan friend of mine the other day. They are clearly rebuilding. There are zero expectations this year. That's a very rare thing in New York. I mean, it really is. It, it, even in in the Mets' worst days, since they've had hundred and whatever million dollar payrolls and stuff, there's always expectations. I mean, there are zero expectations for this year. They can actually play kids and find out what they have. It's actually a good position to be in. They don't have to rush their pitchers. 
They don't have to rush Harvey. They don't have to rush Wheeler. They don't have to rush Familia. You know, Henry Mejia can take his time coming back. They don't have to rush guys. And they can find out about the kids that they have here. And it stinks for us because we want to be competitive every year because we feel like we should be. But they're actually in a sort of unique position with guys running the show who, to me, know what they're doing. Baseball guys, not the owners. Does that uh, does that does that make sense to you? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's no expectations for them to be good this year, so I think everyone is taking the finish last, and they'll, they're probably going to finish last, but they might not, and then that would make for a very exciting team. And and even if that doesn't happen, you know, the year has not been wasted. It's not like it's not like the front office thinks this is a first place team that's going to finish last. They probably think this is the last place team. And if it goes right, that's great. Good for us. Otherwise, you know, they're still following their plan. Right, exactly. I mean, it, like 2009 was a disaster. You know, yeah. it, it was a disaster because the expectations were so very high and the team was so very bad. If this team loses 92 games or whatever, you know, okay, but we can find out about Lucas Duda. Maybe at some point during the year you find out about a guy like Reese Havens. You find out if Daniel Murphy can play second base. You find out if Ike Davis can play a full season and put up, you know, decent numbers. You find out if David Wright is all the way back. You know, there's so many things. You find out if, if John Neese can make 30 starts. You, there's so many positives that can be gleamed out of this year for the future to me. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's it. They're just, like, it's not all going to work out. Not every player is going to work out, but some of them will. And then going into the next year, they'll have a better idea of, of like, when you time to build a winner, which might be only a year or two away at that point. Like, what, what positions you need to fill and what you need to develop, what you need to trade for, and what you already have. And that's what this year, I think, is really about. So, speaking of this year, Patrick, and this is, this is the last thing that I have for you, um, give me one or two things, give us one or two things that, that you're excited about or – you're curious about, you know, something that, that you're kind of, you know, a couple of themes to the season or, or players that you want to see developed as, as, you know, opening day is next week, everything's going to start up. G- give us a couple of things that you personally are, are kind of excited for for the season. Uh, I am excited to see, oh, man, uh, I think definitely the hitters. I'm excited to see Lucas do it. I want to see Lucas do it. I gave us and Ruben Todd I can do this year. Um mm-hmm. I think we have a feel for what Murphy can do and what Josh Dolly can do um, as everyday players. And, and they'll be fine everyday players. But I think, like, how good of a hitter can do to be? Is he going to be as good as he was last year? Is he going to be a little bit worse? Or is he going to be even better? Because it seems that he's been getting better for, you know, the past three seasons in the minor leagues and the major leagues. He just keeps on improving. Same thing for Todd and the same thing for Davis. And I think, you know, how far can those three guys develop? And how far? And I think that's how far, how well those three do. Uh, we'll have a big determination on how the Mets do this year. I think that's what I'm looking for the most, those three, Davis, Tejada, and Tuda. Mm-hmm. I, would, uh, I, would, I, would, I would totally agree with that. Yeah, yeah I, and, I, I think those three guys. And, and if, you know what? I, I love Davis and Duda already. Like, I, they had me at hello because I'm a sucker for that. You know what I mean? The yeah. guy that's super – It's Kingman. It's Kingman, exactly. I mean, Duda may be Kingman who can hit 270 or 280. But um, and of course it all comes back to Kong for me. But 
I'm extremely interested, not excited, but interested in Tejada. And I read your, you know, I read your stuff on him and stuff like that. He just, ah, uh, I don't know what to make of this kid. Maybe it's because he looks like he's 12. That's got to be a part of it. He does look like he's 12. He's a, he's bigger this year. Um, his face <laughs> still looks like he's 12, but at least he looks like a like you Is know a shaving? year old person now. <laughs> right. I honestly <laughs> don't know if he's shaving. I don't know, but. <laughs> Uh, if I had to guess, I would guess no. But he's intri- he's he is intriguing to me. He he absolutely, I think, shows flashes of being a very very uh, capable, if not uh, above capable, uh, shortstop in in the field. Um, well, he's, yeah, he think, he showed more hitting wise, you know, than I thought he was ever going to already. And he's twenty or twenty one. Yeah, he's twenty one. He'll be twenty two this year. Um. But the thing, the thing to think about with, with shortstops is, like, Ronnie Cedeno, who's on the Mets now, Ronnie Cedeno started for the Pirates for two years. Mm-hmm. And I know the Pirates are bad, and Ronnie Cedeno is, like, just can't hit at all. Like, 290 on base percentage is really bad. Right. Um, but Ronnie Cedeno, like, as an average fielding shortstop, you know, and sometimes good fielding shortstop, and, like, just terrible on base percentages, was good enough to start for two years. And he wasn't really that bad, like, in terms of, like, you know, what they could have replaced him with. He was fine. He's like an addict with shortstop. And Ruben Tejada is not going to have a 290 on base percentage this year. He's going to be even better than Ronnie right. Cedeno, who, like, who, like uh, he's already a capable starter. Um, right. I think the question is just, you know, how much can you get out of his bat to determine if he ever does become. And I, I really do think that he, he, I wouldn't be surprised if he makes an all-star team at some point. Not really? Time, but, but three or well, four I, years in the future? Yeah. And there's the spoil factor. I mean, we're spoiled. You know, it's it's like it's why Josh Toley will never be judged fairly. You know, we're, we're spoiled as Met fans at the position. You you get spoiled for a while. Yeah. You know, we just had we just had Jose Reyes for nine years. I mean, you you get spoiled. Uh, you, you yeah. had Mike Piazza for all those years, so you expected the next catcher, especially if he's homegrown. You expect him to be. I mean, I know Mike Piazza wasn't, but I'm saying you expect him to be Mike Piazza. Well, yeah, I mean, they had Piazza and Todd Hundley before that, and then, right. like, a little bit of a gap, and then Garrett Carter before that. And, like, you go back, and they've always had good catchers, and now we're kind of in a lull between, like, Mike Piazza and replacing <laughs> Mike Piazza, and they really haven't replaced him. Well, and you, and you, but the, the fact of the matter is that you can't. I mean, you're talking no, about a once-in-a-generation once catcher. Nobody's going to well, hit, what, you know, 350 home runs and catch anymore. Those it's not going to happen. Special. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. And I, I mean, think history, that's... And that's to tie it back in with this year, I think that's what the Mets are trying to do this year. Which players do they have? Which is these young guys are going to be not Mike Piazza special, but good enough to kind of like be your starter for six, seven years. That's right. Yeah. Who's gonna Who's gonna be able to? You know, there, there's got to be guys to build around, and there's also got to be guys that are just good, solid players. They don't have to be all stars. They don't have to. You know, uh, again, Rafael Santana was never going to make an all star team. Okay, but they don't win. They don't win 108 games without him at shortstop. You know, you you have to have certain guys like that. You know, I I've never seen Danny Heap's name on an All Star ballot. You know, yeah, but you, no, have you, to have, need, you have to have guys that can just play. Well, you need a couple guys. You got to see which guys are going to be stars and which ones are going to be like big contributors. And then like the That's 1980s right. Mets, you know, then you trade for Keith Hernandez and Gary Carter, and you kind of you add stuff to what you already have. Right. And look at the look at the 2000 exactly, and you and there is a. Uh, I hope, I think there's a Carter type trade for this team to make next offseason. 
I think there's or a, a Hernandez type trade or a Hernandez type trade, right? It would be Hernandez yeah. at this point. You're right. But look at the Phillies from the thousands. You know, I mean, they they have stars, and then they have guys like you know, I mean, the catcher, you know, who has a stupid year and is not that good, you know, or you know has a, has a very very solid year or plays above his potential, and and you have to have that. You have your stars, you have your Utleys and your Howards and your Rollins, and then you have Placido Polanco hit 390 somehow, magically. You know, like, right. yeah. you have to have that sort of thing. Speaking of the Phillies, by the way, and then I, I do want to ask you about Michael Serra, uh, because I, I do, I'm working on a theory that you may actually be him. Uh, I might be Michael Serra, <laughs> or I might be a member of the Phillies. <laughs> Both. No, Michael right. Sarah is a member of the Phillies. Worst baseball movie ever. Um, <laughs> no, but speaking of the Phillies, you guys did, I thought, an excellent job. And what I just – please relay this to Ted. Ted on this uh, last Mostly Mets, Cal, just sort of lost it a little bit. <laughs> he sort of lost his cool a little bit just about how the, this this needs to be the year the Phillies break down. Like it's supposed to happen. This is supposed to be their oh nine. Oh, it's looking like that already. Their oh nine met year. And you guys Patrick, it was funny, you and Toby sort of gave him a hard time because well the pitching is still there and they're still so good and, and Ted just wasn't having it. And I thought that was yeah. like it was like a great Ted was like, No, I'm sorry. It has to happen. I've had enough. That's it. Good day, sir. They're they're having they're having a terrible year, I've decided. Um, I think they could. I want you to tell Ted I'm on board. All right, all right, I'll pass it along. I really do. I they they are just one injury to one of those pitchers away, and I'm not rooting for injury. No, but like they did, like they did with Johan Santana, which they did. That's okay, Philly fans. You know who you are. Many Philly fans rooted for Johan Santana to get hurt. It's okay. Right, but you don't okay. you don't root for injury, but but they you understand that they do happen. That pitchers get hurt. They do happen, and they've not happened to, to Roy Halladay or Cliff Lee or Cole Hamill. Right. And they they really are one injury to one of those guys away, I think, from – they're not going to lose 90 games. But, man, that lineup is suspect. It, it is right now, yeah. But at the same time, the, the thing I point to say, they won like 100-something games last year. So they've got a long way to fall. They'd have to be like 15 games worse to miss the playoffs. Ah, not a finger. Um, before we let you go, Patrick, um, I did want to ask you, though, if you uh, – I don't know if you listened to uh, WTF with Mark Marin. It's a very good podcast. Um, but he had Michael Sarah on this past week, and uh, Michael Sarah talked a lot about the Arrested Development movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw that. No, I missed that, but that sounds like something I would, I would like to check out. Check it out. It, what's interesting is he had uh, Michael Sarah on his Monday episode, and he had Jeffrey Tambor on today's episode, because he comes out with episodes on Mondays and Thursdays. Okay. So it was like his Arrested Development Week. Uh, but uh, and, and Sarah said it's going to happen. He said, we just don't have a script. And he's like, I'll sort of believe it when we're all in the same room. But he told a great story about Tambor the first time he met uh, Michael Sarah's mother. Mm. <laughs> you can totally picture Jeffrey Tambor doing this. 
And it was like uh, it was like a, like a table read, like they had just started and stuff like that. They were getting ready for the pilot, and and, and Sarah was there with his mother because he was only fourteen. Yeah. And so he's you know Tambor's walking by and he says, "Oh, uh, Jeffrey, I'd like you to to meet my mother." And he says like real sotto voce to him, "I don't want to meet your boot mother," <laughs> and like walked away. <laughs> Like he, like him and his mother are ready to leave, and he's like literally like four seconds later he came back and gave my mother a kiss and stuff. It was like so perfect, and yeah. that's yeah. that that's just who he is. I I I love Jeffrey Tambor. I really do. Yeah, I'm, really I'm looking forward to the. So hopefully, hopefully it actually does happen. The the return of Rest Development and the movie. Yeah. Well, have he. You, have you, have you guys heard about the grassroots movement to get Steve Holt back in the movie? I have heard about that. Yeah. <laughs> I did not hear about that. Steve Holt? That's I, one... Oh, that's Yeah, because they haven't contacted the actor who plays Steve Holt to, to come back yet, and he's been kind of what pushing is the... the one thing that this script is missing? Steve Holt! <laughs> oh, that that would be wonderful. That would be really, really good. Oh, they have to get him. I love the idea that, and Sarah even uh, said this, that you know they're doing nine episodes on Netflix. So it's going to stream on Netflix, actually, so they didn't even have to bother going to a network. Yep. Um, and then nine episodes, and he, you know, he talked about Mitchell Horowitz. But the, the the great thing is Sarah didn't get his work visa until like the day of like they were shooting the pilot and it was he was talking about the pilot scene on the pier and he and his mom were watching it from the hotel room like the Santa Monica uh, the Santa Monica pier not Santa Monica they were uh I'm sorry south of that in LA but he said he and his mom were in the hotel room like just watching and they'd brought another kid in and everything cuz he couldn't get his work visa <laughs> I like cleared it up that afternoon. He was like, I was sadly watching them shoot from like from the hotel room. Oh, so good. That that uh, I like that Michael Sarah Cal. I know you do. I'm a big fan. How do you feel about Anchorman Two, Patrick? Oh, uh, I feel like uh, it's been such a long time since the first one. I don't know. I don't know if they can pull it off. I've heard I've heard good things. I heard their original idea was to. Did you hear this? That they want to do a musical, like a Broadway musical, Anchorman <laughs> 2, like run it for a couple of weeks and then film the movie. Oh, <laughs> tremendous. Oh, so please make that happen. Oh, that's wonderful. Yeah. Oh, please make that happen. I th- They were supposed to do old school too as well, right? I've heard I, about that too, but I don't know I don't know if that'll ever happen either. There's see, a, yeah, that, and, uh, don't touch that. Don't don't touch. You may look, but don't touch. <laughs> One of our uh, buddies uh, had a, pa- a patient named Frank Ricard. Is that correct? Yeah. He had a patient named Frank Ricard. He's like, how am I going to do this with a straight face? <laughs> Maybe put on the Cisco CD. I don't know. See what happens. My favorite line there, Cal, has always been, uh, this is your husband, Frank R- Ricard. <laughs> Uh, Patrick, anything to plug? You uh, you gonna be at the Ha Ha Hole or anything like that? Or uh, no, no, I have nothing to plug. I don't know. Go to listen to most of my podcasts. Go to patrickfoodblog.com. Uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> How guys? Seriously, the, you guys are like thirty-seven, thirty-eight episodes into the podcast and stuff, and and I'm being completely serious. It's really come along. You guys have really um, 
uh, gotten really good at it. It's a great listen every week, and I'm I'm not even blowing smoke or anything. It's it's been really good. I, are you starting to? When we when we, last time we talked to you guys, I think we're like fifteen or fifteen or so episodes in. Or yeah. Something. And you were a little skeptical still. Are you starting to to dig it a lot more? Or? I think no. I have a lot. Of, we have a lot of fun. I'd like to say like we've gotten better because we've been working harder, but it's really just. Like you talk to two people for long enough, and you start to develop some kind of like who talks where and what we're going to talk about and all that kind of stuff. Um, so any improvements in the show are completely accidental. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, at least you're honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, no, you it, know, it, it's a podcast. It's easy to do. Exactly, and it and and uh, honestly, the the uh, the rapport is is really good, and um, it's it's a really good listen. I I I, I dig it every week. I check it out and. Um, so keep it up and and definitely uh, come on uh, during the season, please. Absolutely, yeah. All right, say hi to the boys for us. All right, I will. Thank you for having me. Thanks, Patrick. Well, thanks, Patrick. Uh, so that was Mr. Flood talking about the Mets. He's uh, he's just so good. He's such a. You know, you know what's refreshing about him is he's a level-headed Mets fan, and there aren't many of those out there. Yep, he is. That's true. You can tell, you know, you know he he is a dyed in the wool, huge, you know, big Mets fan, but he's not emotional about it, and yep. I, I I have to think that he's probably a lot happier for that. I I, I totally agree, and you know what, he has just the amount, uh, the right amount. There's they're a good mix on that podcast because he has just the right amount of sort of dry. He's like the Bob Newhart. Yes, completely dry, sort of. Let's again. Let's reference comedians that are eighty years old. But <laughs> he's definitely the new heart there. Who's the Pat Cooper of the bunch? <laughs> I'd like to be the Pat Cooper of this bunch, if I may. I Can think I, you all. You all. Hand. No, you're the Lenny Bruce of this group. You know that. Wow. Especially when you start throwing the Yiddish around. I've been known. Hey, funny funny story. Fred Willard was at the Lenny Bruce Carnegie Hall show. No way. Yeah, he was at oh, the Lenny. Oh, no, I have to go listen to that tonight. And, but but he was hilarious, Peach. He said you couldn't hear a thing. He was in the balcony, and that's you. You and I have listened to that. You have that right, the Lenny Bruce at Carnegie Hall. Yeah, it's it's famous for its hecklers. The, right. The, the show the show barely gets ten minutes in when people on the balcony start screaming. Right. That's exactly. He was, hear it. Fred Willard was one of them, and he's like, "You couldn't hear the whole show." Ah. Oh. He's like, "I've listened to it later, like on the CDs." He's like, "I had no idea what he said that night." <laughs> Did you imagine, Cal? Do you What's know who Lenny Bruce is? Very odd uh, that no, would happen no. at Carnegie Hall of all places. Well, it was a midnight show. That doesn't, shouldn't change the acoustics of the room, it being midnight. <laughs> they use different microphones. Uh, you know what? It's midnight. There's no bass now. All the bass went to bed. <laughs> Cal, just real quick on Patrick, and then I, I, I have a, uh, a very important uh, question to ask PJ uh, that we'll all chime in on. It's called the fun load. Um, but lastly on Patrick and the Mets. I I I totally agree that very very level headed fan. We're going to the opener next Thursday, uh, you and I, and then we're going to do the show that night and everything. And I'm 
just to close, I'm excited about this season for one reason, and I know everybody's just killing the mess. And look, they're not gonna they're not gonna be in the playoffs. They're not gonna be you know everybody says they're not gonna be a good team. Blah blah. blah. But for that reason that I said, Bri, they can really find out a lot. They have a season to actually find out a lot where there's no expectations, and that never happens. Yeah. The last time that happened was 1983 or 84, and they found out some great things that helped them win a championship. So I feel like they can do that this year. Like nobody, Everybody expects them to suck anyway. Right. And they have good – just listen to Alderson the other day, Bri. Yeah, she so gets it. He really does. I think he's loving this now. Now that the trial is gone, I think he's loving this. Well, this is this is what he signed up for. And he gets it when nobody else gets it, which I think he digs even more because he's kind of at that level. Yep. And he has no problem – this is my perception of him. I, I want to be very careful – to make, not make any definitive statements about I know what Sandy Alderson thinks or feels. No, because we can't possibly. It's too often, I think, people use that as a crutch. So my perception of San- Sandy Alderson is that he's on another level, and he sees all of the hue and cry down below, and, oh, the Mets are going to stink, and what are you excited about? And he's got a big grin on his face, and he's thinking, hey, you know what? You people all think that way. I'm going to go about my business. I'm going to do the job I was brought in to do. And let's just see how this plays out. I think we might surprise you. Yep. And I think that that's what's going to happen. It's a very it's a very different type of season than we're used to with this team. Yep. And a lot of fans don't know how to wrap their head around that because they're so conditioned to I you know, especially in New York, we have to contend. We have to get, we have to do everything we can to win now, and they're not trying to win now. I mean, they're trying to win now, but they're not built to win now. They're built to win in the future, and the seeds are being planted. And you guys nailed it perfectly. Let's see what Lucas Duda is. You know, let's see what Ruben Tejada is, or Josh Tolley, or Ike Davis. Let's let's see what these guys are. Let's see what Dylan G or John Neese are going to be. Because let me tell you something. In four or five years, if this team is contending, and it's contending with, with Lucas Duda in right field and with Ike Davis at first base, that's going to be a fun team, and, and we'll have grown with it. You know, we'll, we'll have been there now, watched it develop, and you know, at, at the risk of, of, of being a cockeyed optimist here. I, Billy Murphy. Yes, <laughs> I'm pretty the cockeyed optimist. Um, I I really I like I like where we're at right now, and it's intriguing to me. Right, I and hate, that's, and that's I, what I'm looking forward to. I hate that we got here, but I like, I, but I don't mind that we're here. I wouldn't have signed up for this. No, but now that it we're here, shouldn't have happened. Shouldn't have happened. It should not should have not happened in this town. It happened because the owners are clueless and terrible, and we can do a whole podcast on that. Okay, but, arrogant, but arrogantly defiant. Correct. But it and but it happened, and here we are. And you know what? It could prove to be a big thing. I, I mean, it could be, prove to be the best thing. And you know what? I'm not even thinking about three or four years from now. I'm thinking about one or two years from now. I really am because that pitching is going to come quickly. Those kids are going to come quickly. 
Harvey, Familia, Wheeler, they're going to come in the next two years. So you need to find out if Ike Davis is going to be a guy or Lucas Duda is going to be a piece there or Daniel Murphy is going to be a piece there or even David Wright going forward is going to be a piece there. You know, and because and, I'm telling you, there's no need for this to be a five-year plan. There's none. There won't Espe- be. Especially if financial limitations and, and restrictions are taken off, right? I mean, I've had this argument myriad of times with people, uh, with Met fans, and that is uh, the Wilpons never had a problem spending money. That doesn't make them good owners. It doesn't make them good owners. High payroll does not make you a good owner. It's all the other crap that makes them not good owners. Well, and and the problem is that they gave $140 million to Omar Minaya to spend. Well, you yeah. didn't know how to spend it. It's yeah. like, you know... Yeah, absolutely. But you can't kill them for giving him the money. You can't kill them. You can kill Manaya for spending it the way that they did. And you can kill the Wilpons for the way they run their organization. But, Cal, I mean, are you going to get on Omar Manaya for giving Pedro Martinez that contract? I'm or, not, Carlo, no. or Carlos Beltran? No. How about going to get Carlos Delgado? I mean, he put together a good team. He did, but you got to get on him for the Oliver Perez contract. You got to get on him for the Louis Castillo contract. You got to get on him for the Jason Bay contract. You get on him from 08 on. Uh, 08, 09, and 10. Yeah, Yeah. you get on him from 08 on. Actually, you get on him for after 07, uh, I mean, uh, after 06, not improving the starting rotation. Well, and the other thing you get on him for. I know. Because there's no reason that uh, John Main and Oliver Perez are pitching game six and seven for you of the NLCS after you've won 97 games and you don't bring in a starter. Although they did pitch well. That wasn't their problem. That's the thing. I think um, what you, what, the other thing you get on him for is his, um, his, his lightning in a bottle approach where he would just bring in all of these retreads and hope that one of you know it's like because Jose Valentin worked out, that was the worst possible thing that could have happened to them. Right. You know, and then they got Fernando Tatis to work out for a year and forget about it. This whole team was going to was going to be built with, you know, the stars of the early of the early nineties. Right. And uh, and he didn't he no, didn't do much but, but more to improve he, the team. You can't kill the owners there. They gave, no, you, they gave they gave the guy they believed in the money. They were wrong to believe in Manaya. That's where you. That's where you kill them. They give. They 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 should have recognized that a change was due sooner. Yes, but they, again, spending money on the payroll does no. not make you a good owner, especially no. when that money is earning eighteen percent with a guy who's getting you false profits. And the other thing to remember <laughs> is that yeah, I know. Now, and now now that the Madoff thing is is behind them, that doesn't automatically mean, and Met fans should not expect. Sandy Alderson to be given $140 million. No. It's not going to happen. You know, the thing is, Brian doesn't need to. He doesn't need it. That's that's the great thing about him. He doesn't need that money. Now, should they be up to 120 in two years? Yeah, they should. Yeah, they should. I'm sorry, they should. They should be at 110, 120. Oh, but, only, like, but only if there are players out there right, that, that are makes going sense. to help. I'd like to see what Sandy Alderson... And his crew can do with that kind of money. With $120 million, yeah. Be wacky. All right. Uh, so Wacky. 
It would be wacky. <laughs> <laughs> it'd, be like the, it'd be like the Jets. It'd be like the Jets. Uh, Ricciardi with the arrow through his head, and you know. Right, right. <laughs> Deep Podesta with the fish in his pocket, <laughs> in his suit pocket. <laughs> Everybody knows the Jets are the uh, the standard bearer for clown now and for circus. Right, right. there there's you know three rings. Put in fact, I, I I think Tannenbaum is now the new word for clown. No, Rex. Right, right. You gonna have a Rex at your party for your kids? Yeah. Just put a big red nose on him. He's got Rex shoes on. <laughs> I mean, stop messing around, you two. Can't believe you guys keep tannenbaumming around here. <laughs> There's the brick Shaw Ferguson on a unicycle juggling football. Uh, Peach, you know what I wanted to ask you and what I wanted uh, us to close on was this. Do you have a Michael Sarah? That was good. Um, I brought one. Um, you know what? You know what we always, you know what we always say comes first, buddy. Bre- breakfast, Dad. <laughs> Family. 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 Right. right. Family. Karen Killam on Saturday Night Live does an incredible Michael Sarah. Yeah. Oh, I've seen that. Really? That Inc- oh, incredible! Yeah, real good. Wait, you're telling me somebody's doing a Michael Sarah on Saturday Night Live right now? And Steve and nails it. Excellent. Really? Google it. What's the sketch? Yeah, he brought it out on the uh, Zoe Deschanel uh, "How to Be Quirky" sketch. Uh-huh. It was, it was uh-huh. the Zoe Deschanel show. Right. And it was Zoe Deschanel uh, as Mary Kate Olsen. Right. <laughs> It was one of it was Abby Elliott as Zoe Deschanel, right? Uh, Michael Sarah, and then uh, Kristen Wiig had a root it with her Bjork impression, right? Kristen Kristen Wiig crapped on the sketch, right? She oh, brought a sledgehammer no. to the sledge. Yeah, sketch. No, I she like Kristen Wiig. What's she wrong stinks. with Kristen Wiig? She's, she's a little heavy-handed. She's a lot heavy-handed with the comedy. Too much. <laughs> Walks in with big lead shoes. <laughs> did, you, did you see MacGruber? Have you seen, have you seen the MacGruber movie? I didn't see the movie, no. The oh, MacGruber well, movie? All, did you really just utter those that, those words? You haven't seen MacGruber? Do you know how valuable my time is right now? I have a 15-month-old. I can't not spend an hour and 25 minutes watching MacGruber. Has he seen listen, MacGruber? Listen to me and learn. There are fantasy drafts to prepare for. I don't have time to watch MacGruber. MacGruber is um, very, very funny and disgusting in a way that I did not expect it to be <laughs> It's very rare that I am watching a comedy and will suddenly throw my arms up over my face and go, Oh, no! Does that and Kristen Wiig is in it, and she actually has a light touch. That's in MacGruber. She she usually Tannenbaum's her way through scenes. Wow. I mean, she 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 went to Tannenbaum school. I'm not. She's such a Rex. She 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 really Rexes around. <laughs> uh, I will not be watching MacGruber. I I can't. I can't. Which I can't. Me- I don't understand this. You lo- you love to partake of of the silly comedy. 
But you had the children. You understand. I don't get an hour and a half free, and if I do, it has to be spent on something more valuable than MacGruber. Like my, <laughs> like my fantasy baseball team. I, I, or or I this know. show. Or this radio podcast no. program. Mm, you you can find the time. From MacGruber? You can, you I, can I, find I, the yes. show. Stop taking I'd, your two-hour beauty showers and. Uh, I'd rather watch. I'd rather watch dodgeball again. I'll be honest with you. That's another beautiful movie, <laughs> but it's not disgusting. McGruber is special because it's disgusting. Touche. <laughs> uh, Peach, we have our fantasy baseball draft Saturday night. Yep. And uh, or as we as we've been counting down the twelve days of draftmas. Uh, as we're getting up to this, I I know you don't. I want to ask you do you do you do you understand why this is a, a, a holiday? No. Okay. Okay. You and my wife. Good show, everybody. I don't. Great I don't. I, I just don't. I just don't understand it. It's 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 really that's part of the foreign language. Do you? Okay. So let's break this down. Let's take this apart here in the ready to unload fun load. Right. Do you not understand the fantasy sports aspect of it, or do you not understand how the draft uh, for football and baseball are the two greatest nights of the year? I understand the fantasy sports and or league. I do not understand the value of draft night or draft day or the draft party. That's important for you to understand. That that will shed a lot of light on why we refer to it as draftness. I'm very open-minded. Is it disgusting? <laughs> it can might, get that way. I might be into it if it got a little bit gross. Put 12, put 12 or 13 guys in a room together with no yeah. women anywhere. I mean anywhere. All I'm thinking about is the smell of feet. Yeah. <laughs> um. You, Cal, can you explain? Maybe we should take them with us. It's hard. Well, that might be the only way. It's very difficult to explain because it, the explanation of it would send him in the opposite, or send anyone in the opposite direction of, under, of understanding it. Like, wait a minute. That was your pitch to sell me on this? 13 guys in a room with books and computers and spreadsheets? Talking about players and and fake numbers? What? Yeah, it's great. Yeah, so, the so best far, year. I'm keeping a safe distance. Oh, my God, and bad puns. Oh, terrible. So, oh, same so same jokes every year. Same jokes for ten years. And yet it's glorious. <laughs> never never gets old. Well, put it another way, Cal, though. Here's a, here's a better way to maybe, maybe uh, frame it. Uh, in a room with, uh, you know, some guys you don't like, but no, like, you know, probably eight of your closest friends, four guys, hey, you can give or take. <laughs> but, uh, really? You're, you're, you're bringing it, you're bringing in guys you wouldn't otherwise share, share a room with? Put it this way, we're, we're, we're bringing in guys that we see once a year. That's right. You gotta, you gotta, okay. you, you One gotta, you gotta out of the league. Right. They're not right. bad guys or anything like that. They're not just bad not, guys at all. They're just not part of your crew. But you got you got members you got members of your crew, your best friends, sitting around, drinking beers, uh eating barbecue, talking baseball for four hours. 
How could that be bad? And the most important thing is it's an escape from the responsibilities that as you, Brian, I'm going to stop you right there. I just hit Brian's mute button. I just, wow. I, I just hit the cough button. You're about to did give he, away the Did form. he almost give away too much? <laughs> no, it's already been. Did, I'm, did wow. he almost be like, and the one guy who's in the Illuminati is. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of the sixth sense, right. Bruce Willis is dead. The password to become a Freemason is. <laughs> PJ, are you there? PJ. It's a lot what like happened? the Freemasons. It's a lot like the Freemasons, but only yeah. with baseball and stolen bases. And, and no Fight way. Club. And Fight Club. That's right. It's a little Is like there Fight Club. punching? If there's punching, I might like to see no. it. There's no, there's no violence. There's a very strong discussion. And a now, lot of self-loathing. A lot of self-loathing, yes. Where, oh, where does the money come in? Where does where does the money play a part? There's, a, there's an Elliot Smith album worth of self love. <laughs> wow! <laughs> it just plays in the background. Yeah, it's just uh, if you can play uh, <laughs> uh, what do you call it? A distorted reality is now a necessity to be free. Just over and over on a loop. Uh, is, the there, best is there like one dark, quiet guy who's there, and everybody has to watch him to make sure he doesn't? Uh, well, hurt I mean, you've met Dan. I mean, you know. <laughs> the best analogy I could give you, PJ, is if, you know, you eat something and the second you swallow it, you wish you hadn't eaten it and you just feel awful about it. That's Dan? <laughs> no, that's that's the self-loathing. And that's the oh. self-loathing. Why did I, oh, why did I do, I should never have done that. And then that's what happens when I pay $37 for Jose Reyes. <laughs> for to have Jose Reyes on my team. That's this or or I somehow get I somehow get uh ballyhooed into bidding way too high on a Met just to prove a point. Always. Always. It's a terrible uh, that somehow Lucas Duda will go for twenty four dollars because I just can't see a Met going for I just can't. I don't want to see him embarrassed. And someone will sit there with their arms crossed and a and an evil grin on their face. Is there, yes, is, what there I've cap, just done. is there a financial cap so that you don't you don't uh, lose your There shirt? is. We, we we have a very involved league. This is our sixth, seventh season. And, no. Uh, yes. More than seven. No, it's our seventh season. What? Evan, what Evans, Evans won three, Rich has won two, and Keith has won one. That's our, it's our seventh season. Really? Yep. And uh, it's a keeper league, PJ. We have guys for it's a salary cap auction. I mean, it's 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 involved. Put it to you this way: you keep all of these details straight. That's correct. Put it to you this way: that hour and twenty minutes of MacGruber, I need that time to be competitive, like to do research and be competitive. Wow! I did I did research last night. Teresa was I couldn't get you to remember. To bring your own guitar tuner. Oh, come on. To a single rehearsal. You know why I didn't bring my guitar tuner to rehearsal. Self-loathing. That's correct. And also, so you tune my guitar. (laughs) I'm a lead singer. I need care. (laughs) I was, I was, I'm a fragile uh, egoist. You're a delicate snowflake. I am a derelict. Well, there's nothing that is what we call you when you left the room. 
as soon as the door was closed, we're like, the delicate snowflake has left the building. <laughs> First of all, there's nothing delicate about me at uh, 287 pounds. Uh, wow. Well, I go away. Shut up. <laughs> I I before we uh, close, I want to harken back to Dan Aykroyd as Obi Wan Kenobi. I don't feel we fully explored that. So I think it's Dan Aykroyd in Ghostbusters in Star Wars as Obi Wan Kenobi. So basically, it's Ray Stance. I mean, uh, right. Ray Stance just walks yeah. onto the set in uniform. <laughs> Ray Stance with as the proton pack. Sand people are easily startled, but they'll soon be back, and in greater numbers. You've never worked in the private sector. They expect results. (laughs) What happened to Dan Aykroyd? Anyone? Uh, He pops up from time to time in different things. Yeah. He got he got comfy with his uh, sort of bookstore conspiracy theory existence. Go go back, which he plays in Ghostbusters too. Right. Uh, go back to go. I urge you both to go back and watch Ghostbusters, and then and then watch Trading Places. He is uh, Trading Places has been on HBO like every other day, and that's a movie I didn't watch a lot in the eighties and nineties. I, I didn't. I maybe saw it like maybe four times. I've I watched think I it like saw it four times a week. Right. I think I've watched it like four times in the last two weeks. He is very good in that movie. Very good. He's totally he's totally solid. Dan Aykroyd's downfall came when he started to desire more of the clown type roles versus the terrific straight man roles, which is what he was better at. Right. You know where he breaks your heart? He breaks your heart in Gross Point Blank. Breaks your heart. Because he is just terrific. Oh, I think he's terrible. No, I think he's just terrific in Gross Point Blank. Ah, he's trying way too hard in that movie, Peach. Way too hard. Again, he he has the Kristen Wiig shoes on. Go hit the ball easy, son. You don't have to kill it. Just touch it. Just touch it. He's way too hard in that movie with the popcorn and the... Uh, no, it's too much. Too much. That could have been a great Ghostbuster if they gave him great Ghostbuster job and said, go do it and be successful with it. I, I, don't, I don't like him in that movie. That, hurt, that hurts me in that movie. Agree to disagree. I, I yeah, no. I, <laughs> a whale's vagina. He was lucky. Um, all right. Uh, so to close, Dan Aykroyd, where have you gone? He'll right. he'll be playing Tim Tebow in the movie. Hey, listen, I don't know if you I don't know if you caught the movie news uh, today. Um, but uh, Universal Pictures announced sure. that they're that they're going to do I guess because of you know public outcry for it, uh, they're going to do a sequel to Twins. The Get Arnold out of Schwarzenegger here. No. Danny DeVito uh, movie. I want you to. I want you to stop making stuff up. Can you guess what it's going to be called? Oh boy. This is the absolute truth. This is this is not a bit. Quadruple. 
It's going right? to be called triplets. It's going to be called triplets. Yes. Triplets. It's not and real, is it? It's not as real. It is. <laughs> you can't print that. That's not real, it's, is it? No, it's truth. It's Pravda. Listen. Uh, so who are they going to get to play the triplet? Come on. Oh. I think think oh. what what equals Hollywood hilarity? Zach Galifianakis. Mm, he's still a little too edgy. You know, this is Universal Studios. Universal Studios. So it's DeVito, Schwarzenegger, and Adam Sandler. Oh. That's a good. That's a good pick. Tremendous. Everyone's guess, favorite bomb machine, Eddie Murphy. Oh, of course. It's no. funny because he's black. That's is this real? He's the third. I see. See, because it makes so little sense that way, and people will say, "Oh, you can't do that," but it's funny. Wow, wow. Yeah. It's uh, it's all happening. Wow. Right. I I will say there's a moment in, there's a moment in Twins that I will take with me forever. Scott and I, my brother and I, still sing it to each other. Tonight. Is your Tonight night. is your night, bro. Tonight oh, is yeah. your night, bro. You're going <laughs> to. You're going to do it. You're going to cut it, bro. It's your night, bro. Tonight is your night, bro. Tonight is your night, bro. You're going to do it. Are there? Are, is there a top three Danny DeVito performances, or are they all the same? You know, I was thinking of Smoochie the other night, and Smoochie is a tremendously underrated movie, in my I opinion. I think it's great. Death to Smoochie should get better. First of all, Ed Norton's great. I think. Yeah, that's just, that movie has, it's in that category of should have never been in a theater movie. Yeah, no. Should have just played in my living room. Like, that's should've it. Should have just played, right. Just, just, just straight to HBO and everybody that's right. liked it. I should have stumbled upon it at like, you know, 11.30 one night after about five beers and a glass of wine and been like, what is, what is this Ed Norton movie? I've never, yeah. oh my God, this is magnificent. Alcohol does help. Uh, it does, but it, uh, I I love that performance by Devito, and then I got to go to Johnny Dangerously as the as the DA. <laughs> That's a good one. Oh, John, you shouldn't have. <laughs> I I just saw him last night in uh, Man on the Moon, the Andy Kaufman flick. Yeah, it was very good. Yeah. He's very good, good, but there's something so distracting about knowing that you're going to see the cast of Taxi. And then him. DeVito's on screen playing a different character. I totally agree. That's I mean, true. That, was, that was just a bad decision. Yep. Bad idea, Jeans. No, without no, a bad doubt. Bad idea, Jeans. <laughs> almost, as, almost as bad as going ape. Hey, you wow, watch yourself. What a mo- wow, that is a great movie. Really? No. No, I, I don't like that. The no. best, the best part about him as the DA and Johnny Dangerously is the newspaper headline when he gets killed. <laughs> it says DA killed in a commercial because <laughs> it was for the malt liquor. <laughs> he holds up, and and the picture that they have on the paper is him in taxi. <laughs> it's, 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 it's Louis De Palma. <laughs> the picture on the paper on the paper is like a like a total press uh, shot from Taxi of of him as Louis De Palma, and it says DL DA killed in a commercial. <laughs> I, uh, I 
I absolutely love Taxi, um, but I, I I think I equally love him on uh, It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I think. Yeah, see, I don't I don't watch it. I don't watch it. I know. Terrible job. It's all right. It, it's going to be there for you. They're, they're not yeah. going to get rid of that one. All right, Cal, you watch I that? Think they're still making. Them. I don't. It's on my. It's in my queue. I think Evan has been imploring me to watch that one. It's I, it's I, funny. It's just it's just straight out funny. I don't watch it a lot, you know. But every time I see it, I'm, I just say, "Oh man, oh boy, he's funny. He's special here. This is a good role for him." <laughs> yeah, I've the few that I've seen have been funny. I just I can't commit. Uh, Peach, I can't even make time to watch MacGruber. I mean, come on. It's an out, buddy. <laughs> it's disgusting. <laughs> That's no moon. It's a space station. If that doesn't bring you in, I don't know what will. <laughs> That's no moon. Uh, PJ, final unload for episode 3.12. Yeah. Um, the uh, Arkansas Supreme Court struck down the uh, ban on sex between teachers and students. Uh, Back our bags, honey. Um, so, yeah, so <laughs> they're accepting applications. Uh, it, it's, it's probably not illegal anymore for a teacher to have a sex with an with a 18-year-old student, even if, they, even if it is your student. All Get right. It on. So Way to go. Good. So good we're job. growing. We're growing. <laughs> I feel we're like I'm growing. We're growing and we're sharing. <laughs> I just want to be like part I'm... of it. Cal, final unload. I want to wish you a merry draft, miss. I want to wish everybody a happy beginning of the baseball season. This is always my favorite time of the year. Baseball starting, basketball and hockey going to the playoffs. Um... And uh, may he be toasted on both sides. <laughs> and, and for my final unload, I'd like to just say, uh, hey, everybody with the Tebow stuff, let's just all take a breath. Huh? Let's take a breath. Let's all take a step back. Let's all remember we're, uh, we're sentient beings here on God's earth and uh, or whoever's earth, whoever's earth you believe in. Let's just leave God out of the equation. In fact... Let's just leave ever, all of it out of the equation. Let's just take a step back and remember. And remember, football's great. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you next week for Ready to Unload with Cal and Sam P. Thanks, everybody. The man is the Shakespeare. <laughs> Good night. <laughs> with the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. 
Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial, LLC, member SIPC.